Sacramento, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you could only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by Comic Book Click, and as you know, I am never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. Hello everyone, I'm back, it's Yogi. Using technology from the future, we are finally able to get our Major Issue brethren in studio to talk about the past, the future, and all things coming in 2019. Uh, Merry belated Clickmas to you, sir. Ah, Merry Clickmas. <laughs> um, it, it, it's been a hell of a year, right? Like, I mean, I don't think we've seen this much comic book content ever. <laughs> like, with the amount of TV shows, movies, comics, new lines, new characters, all that. Oh, this is this like a, this is a golden age for comic book media. I like to say. I mean, comic books are like at the forefront of pop culture. Uh, you've got movies coming out every couple of weeks, and and they're starting to get high praise. And we forgot, like recently, you had Black Panther uh, in consideration for like Oscars and stuff. Crazy. Like, and we're not just talking about crazy. Oscars for makeup, like Suicide Squad. We're talking like no. legit, legit awards here and stuff. Sometimes I even forget that. Black Panther came out this year. Oh my God! It's been such a long year for uh, for comic book media. You're right. It's like it feels so long ago. And it's like no, it's it's right here around the corner. Um, have you seen the last two comic book movies that are out currently? Uh, Into the Spider Verse, uh, Aquaman. Enter the Spider Verse and Aquaman. Due to my uh, current living situation, I haven't been able to check those out, unfortunately. But okay. I am. I am so stoked to finally see Into the Spider-Verse. However, I'm I, I'm actually hearing in some circles that it's being uh taken out of cinemas already or what? the showings are like the showings are like getting more and more scarce and I don't exactly understand what's going on. Hmm. I thought the marketing was actually pretty well done for that film. I thought it was great. It, it got so much praise. Uh it was winning awards before it even came out. I don't understand why uh this is happening. Right. Um, but even if, you know, even with that on top of it, Sony making that uh, Into the Spider-Verse film to critical uh, acclaim and then Venom made money this year. So Sony should be feeling pretty damn good about themselves. Oh, no, I'm sure that they've uh, they've got new confidence in the Spider-Man brand. But, um, I'm actually glad that they have found their own niche when it comes to their Spider-Man universe and that they're willing to leave uh, the live-action Peter Parker where he is right now, though. Yeah, and for every one of those successes, we get a couple hits, right? We lost our Netflix shows. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh man. Don't remind that hurt, me. That hurt, <laughs> oh, that... man. And again, like, to, to think, uh, a lot of people forget, but all four of those shows had seasons this year. And two of them still have uh, seasons coming because yeah. they were already in production when the cancellations happened. Yep, Jessica Jones and Punisher. And and uh, the it's such a mysterious. There's such mysterious circumstances surrounding these cancellations because according to uh, all the all the information that we can gather, everything was going well. These were top streaming shows. Yeah. Uh, Disney Disney. Uh, I know everyone's immediate assumption was like, well, Disney has a new streaming service, so they must have pulled it. But that doesn't seem to be the case here. So uh, it just kind of hurts. Like, we will never get closure. We didn't get a closure. <laughs> stories. Yeah. We don't know what happened, why they're gone. They're just gone. Uh, and I I was so pumped because I thought Fing Fang Foom was eventually going to show up. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, we're about to get a, the Game of Thrones dragon on this, bro. We're about to really start connecting these universes. Um, I 
it 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 sucks. It sucks that um that those shows got canceled the way they do they did, and certain films are not getting to get the acclaim that we wish that they got. But I brought you on here for a very special episode where we will be predicting the highs and lows of 2019. We have to the brim superhero television shows, superhero movies to the point that some of these I even forgot were in production. Uh, <laughs> and I wanted to take you through and and tell me about your level of excitement, your background with the source material and uh, just talk about um, geek out over some of the good stuff uh, and laugh at some of the, what might not be as great as we <laughs> think it, it would be. Uh, you all for it? I'm so excited for a lot of the things that are coming in 2019. Like, if 2018 was a big year for comic books, 2019 looks to keep that momentum going, and I am stoked. Oh, fingers crossed, because it's not even on this list. Fingers crossed next year we might get a new DC Rocksteady game. Well, I, you know what? They have been, it has been rumored for so long oh, that, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. That I, I try like I try to put it in the back of my mind because every time I get excited for it, it's like no, no news for you yet. So I'm like, ah, oh man. <laughs> no, I definitely definitely. Um yeah, but let's start let's start it with these films and let's start in chronological order. The first one I got coming out of Fox is Alita Battle Angel. Uh, the series is set in a post-apocalyptic future and focuses on Alita, a cyborg who has lost all memories and is found in a garbage heap by a cybernetic doctor who rebuilds and takes care of her. She discovers that there's one thing she remembers, a legendary cyborg martial art. I'll say that again. A legendary cyborg <laughs> martial art. <laughs> Panzer Kunst. Kunst. I'm trying to say that the best way without sounding dirty on here. <laughs> that sounds really vulgar, no? <laughs> These cyborgs, you know. And uh, which leads her to becoming a hunter warrior or bounty hunter. And, you know, this is actually taken from the Battle Angel Alita uh, manga series. Um, I have no background to this uh, manga. I I actually, um, I've heard of it in certain circles, uh, but um, I haven't, I'm not familiar with the uh, with the source material. However, I did catch, I did at least see the trailer, and yeah. uh, I'll say this, it looks interesting. It I don't does. know that it's it going to be, I don't, it doesn't look like something that's going to be a huge success, but it looks, it looks worth a watch. I mean, um, normally um, when I, when these type of movies come out, these adaptations, everyone is like, they're worried, they're tepid, you know, America doesn't have the best track record when it comes to adapting uh, mm -hmm. Japanese culture or Japanese uh, anything, really. <laughs> yeah. What, is this, a, this is an actual factual uh, actress? Uh, the, the person playing Alita? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, but it looks like uh, CGI because, you know, they've got, that like was one of the. position, right? Like sort yeah. of half and half. One of the big things when the trailer first came out was like, uh, holy crap, this chick has like actual anime eyes yeah, those are the two words i heard the most <laughs> anime eyes anime eyes i heard that that's, over and over again that's like the big hook yeah, <laughs> anime eyes i mean we're one step closer that dbz remake is coming anytime soon i'm telling you we got anime eyes if there's one thing that i did um that if there's one thing that I do know, it's that it's possible to have these. Uh, it is completely possible to have these uh, bombastic, fantastical animes adapted into real life movies. I don't know exactly why uh, it fails. These movies fail so much. Um, I don't know if maybe there's a there's a international culture barrier uh, or something like that. But I've got hope for this movie at least. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Well, it's, it's funny that you put it that way because um, a lot of this time people are. A lot of times people are upset 
at the idea that um, these films are being taken from mangas and then sometimes butchered. Sometimes uh, they try to get it to the to meet right where the um, manga met, but it doesn't really hit there. Um, something that came out this year, though, that seems to be blowing up just to connect a little bit with the Alita thing is that Broly movie, uh, Dragon oh. Ball Z Super Broly. Oh, well, lucky for us, they handled that over there and then kind of licensed it <laughs> right, right. to get dubbed over here. But um, yeah, so I know this year, uh, Netflix, they uh, they actually re- they released a Death Note movie to a uh, bunch of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, I remember to, that. To <laughs> and they decided it would be a good idea to do a sequel. They also announced that they were going to be releasing a Cowboy Bebop series, a live what? action series. Which is wild because, as you know, Cowboy Bebop is is widely considered one of the greatest animes of all time. Right. So, if anything, I would say Netflix is uh, they're very ambitious. Yeah, there was also talk of an Alita remake, right? Yeah, not Alita, yeah, not Alita um, Akira. I said Alita, <laughs> a- Akira. I understood it as Akira. You know, <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jordan Peele. You know, uh, Get Out and uh, the upcoming Us. He was approached to remake Akira, but he was smart enough to realize that that type of, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say like legendary, but you know, like it's got this aura to it. Akira, people hear Akira and they think, you know, classic. Instant. I think I don't think it would be too unfair to call it legendary. I think in that in that um, vein of animation at the time, there there's so many animators and so much animation that has taken direct influence from it. So I get it. It's like when you hear people are gonna do Scarface again. It's like, but it's why? Worrisome. <laughs> it's worrisome because you see something. It's like it's perfect the way it is. Why touch it? But yeah. we're in an age where people aren't grabbing onto original content the way they used to. So uh, Hollywood and and these executives decided that nostalgia was the way to go. Which is weird because we now with these streaming services more than ever have this accessibility to this stuff. You know, before, yeah, if you, you, you could be um, excused if you couldn't get a DVD copy of uh, Alita or I'm sorry, Akira. But now you just stream it, buy it on YouTube. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's easy to grab it. I mean, as illegal as it is, people will pirate things to the end of time. It's, it's, it's really easy to get your hands on this older classic stuff. So maybe that's the reason why people aren't able to let go of their favorites. Mm-hmm. And, and But um, that's just the current trend of things. So, I mean, maybe we'll get to a point where original stories start to be the top, movie, uh, top money makers again. But um, for now, we got them trying and sometimes succeeding and sometimes failing to... Uh, Grab onto your nostalgia bones. <laughs> where do you, where do you feel uh, Dragon Ball should sit in that? Should they wait until other anime uh, films have been made, uh, direct adaptations from mangas to the technology is where we see it, or do they sit better in this um, animated void where they're putting out their films? Um, they've always been doing this in Japan, where they yeah. put out these um, films strictly in animation form. Yeah, uh, the they make way. they make. Yeah. They make decent money, but it's never they never bring it like the the expectations for an animated film and the money that they bring in is mo- are much smaller than uh big budget live action movies. But Definitely. as um and it's usually really successful. Like right now, Dragon Ball Super Broly hasn't come out in America yet, but it's already grabbed uh two billion yen in Japan, which uh which is about uh I wanna say twenty million dollars in American yeah. money. Yeah. So um they're looking at it as a uh, success already and if you see the trailer, they've got this mixture of like CGI and animation that looks gorgeous. But 
I think that, uh, okay, so first of all, I'm a little weary, right? Because they already tried this in the year 2007, yes. uh, and it fa failed horribly, that was right? Pretty, pretty bad. So they have to get, so even if they're able to, let's say, make a good Dragon Ball movie, they already have, they already have to get past this stigma where they already messed up you know yeah, so yeah. when they announce it people are going to be weary so they, it would take a lot to prove that they are they're going to get it right this time but um i want to say it's possible you know when i think back to the fight scene in man of steel uh superman versus odd yeah. that was inspired by dragon ball z definitely like, like it's so, shooting through buildings and it's oh. completely possible yeah. to to do this I don't know why it, it hasn't happened, but it's absolutely possible. Can they do it? Can they do it right? Uh, I'm going to put myself in a category of people that's still weary. Yeah, no, I don't blame you for that. I, I feel like if Dragon Ball, I guess the property Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, uh, Super, I think if it wants to succeed, it has to start with somebody younger. I think um, the reason, the way it was easy for me to get in was Gohan, you know, having a child there. Not no, not sure of their powers, not sure of what's going on around them, and then getting told by everyone else, getting that world building. I know you got in at uh, Super, but and that, now that I have you here, because we rarely talk manga, what was the bigger disappointment, uh, Dragon Ball Evolution or uh, Justice League? Oh, boy. Um, I don't think that I will ever be as disappointed as I was when I watched Dragon Ball Super. That's like, because, I'm not Dragon Ball Super, Evolution. I'm sorry, I love Dragon Ball Super. Um, <laughs> Dragon Ball Evolution. Uh, okay, so like, I don't know if you guys know this out there because you don't know me personally, but Dragon Ball is very special to me. So uh, watching that as a as a as a younger person was completely heartbreaking to me. I consider that one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It has so like it, from it, the original it, anime. Uh, <laughs> it Justice League. Now I was again a huge heartbreak for me, but for a different reason, more because. I was looking forward to what it was going to be. And then hearing how they kind of chopped it up and turned it to what it was and then watching it. And, and you see, like, you, you can see, like, you can see Zach, uh, Scott, Zack Snyder's movie just peeking out from under <laughs> yeah. all this studio interference. Yeah. And that, that hurt. So it's like two very different types of disappointment, but I think I'll have to give the edge to Dragon Ball Evolution because of, uh, because of how much the the source material meant to me and how badly they butchered it. That makes sense. Um, uh, Justice League is almost cruel in its beauty. Like you can see where it where it could go or where it would go. Or and the suits all look amazing. You know, um, the the movie looks beautiful. The CGI for the most part when they're not talking about Superman's mouth, it's absolutely <laughs> it's absolutely good. But no, I definitely get that. And I hope that anime does find its its footing because just like comics, it's a medium that's existed for decades and people have just found um you know some of the great stories in there and and some of the stories that have been taking place in manga have lasted decades like we we look at stuff like star wars like wow this long sprawling epic but then you turn on what uh naruto and how many episodes is that? <laughs> does that have 600 uh, 700 <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that's another that's another reason why it's harder to adapt these very long stories into uh into two hour films you know they've got they they've got so much time to connect you emotionally to these characters and these stories that when they do things you feel it you know in the, in two hours you just can't grasp that sort of emotion and maybe uh maybe they need to start looking into uh 
making a se- live action series instead of uh instead of trying to shove these giant stories down in a two hour film. So. Ah, that's pretty bold. I can see them trying to do something. I mean, when you get a Death Note, like I really feel felt like they just threw a dart at the wall with that. Like, I get that the the um, property is popular, but I don't think that they knew what made it popular when they <laughs> when they created uh, the film. Because I did get to see the film, and it, it was it was okay. I liked um, it, I just like <laughs> what's his face and everything. Um, uh, uh, William Mary Jane, yeah, Mary Jane and I <laughs> were gonna have a hell of a time. <laughs> Don't like keep hearing. There's another another problem too. Is like sometimes these like these properties that they're adapting are beloved, you know. And these directors that are adapting them, they want to they want to take their little creative liberties. And that's just those just don't sit well. Like when you mentioned Death Note, yeah. their version of uh, Light Yagami, I guess they called him Light Turner or whatever. Yeah. He was like screaming and scared and like when people think light they don't think that they think cold calculating cruel or composed yeah so it's like it's jarring to see something like that and um but i guess you know netflix hasn't released their official streaming numbers but i guess it must have done well enough that they thought it uh they should do a sequel i think if it did do well it was based off of curiosity and that the second one won't do as well but uh we'll see what happens do you think a, this Alita Battle Angel is going to be one of those films when it comes out in February that uh, will make or break whether or not studios try this kind of um, movie again? I don't know that they're banking so much on this, but um, I think that if it does well, they're going to start looking into uh, doing more of those. Absolutely. I'm actually surprised they haven't grabbed that loop in the third. Right? It's- <laughs> it seems like it's right There's there. A- doesn't, you don't got to do much for it. There's quite a few um, uh, anime films more than shows that I'm surprised that they haven't redone. Like, um, I guess, you know, they did Black Swan, which some people claim was like a direct uh, ripoff of uh, Perfect Blue. Yeah. So, like, they, they, you've, seen, you've seen, like, Hollywood directors take their inspiration and claim that they haven't and then make their own movies. So, wasn't, I mean... Um, wasn't um, Edge, of Darkne- Edge of Darkness, Edge of Tomorrow, um, an anime? I think it was called All I Need Is Kill. All yeah, yeah. actually, it was uh, it was loosely based on that. You're right. Yeah. Yes, it was. But um, and you just strip all that away, did, put Tom Cruise on the cover, and say, "Look at this new yeah. American movie," <laughs> and we just thought it up. Oh man, <laughs> it just came to us. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, that's gonna be something that's uh, that they I I see it being a light gamble, and if the returns come, I can see them uh, capitalizing on that. But something that's not even close to a gamble, Captain Marvel, <laughs> March 8th, which is going to make money regardless. I mean, Marvel has, Marvel could raise my kids at this point. Like, I would <laughs> trust them completely. Um, but regardless, uh, Captain Marvel set in 1995, Captain Marvel follows Carol Danvers, a former U.S. Air Force fighter pilot. And she turns into one of the galaxy's mightiest heroes and joins Star Force, an elite Kree military team, before returning home with questions about her past and identity when the Earth is caught into us in the center of a galactic conflict between two alien worlds. And so this will be this will be um, a movie set in the past. I, have, have we gotten that since Captain America? 
No, we haven't. We've never, uh, the only past we've explored was like, you know, a million years ago when they're explaining the Infinity Stones and their yeah. origin. And then a hundred years ago with Captain America, we don't yeah. have this contemporary past. It's going to be interesting to, uh, to see the setting and to see all the, of course, everyone's going to uh, pop for all the nineties Easter eggs, you know, Blockbuster or right. like friends, the friends haircut that, <laughs> you know, yeah, that she has. But, um, I'm more interested in seeing the portrayal of the Kree Scroll War in yeah. uh, live action. This has uh, this has the potential to be really, really good, and this also has the potential to set seeds for future stories in the Marvel Universe. Because uh, if I, as some of you comic readers know, in the comics, the during the Kree Scroll War, a number of heroes were Okay, this is a retcon. It didn't happen during the <laughs> right, original right. story, but years later they retconned so that uh, a number of heroes were kidnapped and then um, had their cells taken and later on used to create scroll uh, to to. I don't want to say clones because they weren't like clones. Scrolls right. already can transform into people and things, but they were used to give these scrolls the powers of those heroes. And then we got the secret invasion story where Earth has already been infiltrated long before we ever realized. There's there there has to be a connection between this film and that event, right? Like this seems to be the only way to introduce that event. And I and I get that you can do something like have this film take place, have the scrolls be a quiet threat for I mean years, but I feel like you should kind of strike while the iron's hot, right? I mean Absolutely. If you, if you find out that there's been a huge if, if Earth is indeed in the center of this and there are scroll scroll scree look at me. <laughs> and Kree are both on Earth, then you can, you know, you can make a lot of excuses for uh, body snatching and all that kind of stuff. But what I think this film is ultimately going to be, and if they're able to, to touch this tone right, it could be very um, prolific to actually what's going on in the world, is the idea that neither side is 100% on the level. Like, I want the Kree to be, I mean, because as much as we love the Kree, we saw what Ronan did in Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Like, he was ready to blow up whole planets because he, he was uh he'd actually defected from the from the Kree by the time guardians of the galaxy started right but in uh like captain a, marvel like he's he's still with them right so we might actually get some of that story as well and see why he didn't trust them anymore right and it, same thing i mean so he doesn't trust them nick fury last time he trusted somebody he lost an eye <laughs> i'm telling you it's the cat it's that cat from the trailer he's gonna scratch his eye out <laughs> and then um carol can't remember anything she she's having issues uh, remembering things. Um, she has no idea that Rob Liefeld left her image and roughly oh, around the time. Oh Carol! <laughs> Carol Danvers is gonna be the scroll, isn't she? Holy! Um, that's a hey, that's what I'm saying, bro. My my guess, and I've been saying on this podcast for quite some time, is that we are going to watch the origin story uh, remembered from an alien. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. She's gonna have the memories because it's all you know. That's what the things that they do to integrate them. But I think that every time you see her shooting her blasts and you don't see who she's shooting them at, I think we're gonna get a Carol versus Carol situation uh, going down here. But I could be completely wrong. I just want to see. I want. I. I need a new twist because I found myself in Aquaman, and this is nothing wrong with that film. But I found myself going. I've seen about twenty years of origin story. You know? Yeah. And yeah, you kind of get the beats. You yeah. kind of get the beats already. Like, they don't want to do it. Then they get convinced to do it. Then they do it. But they're not as good as they think they're going to be. And then somebody says, you're not going to be that great. And then oh, they yeah. become great. And then... <laughs> We're know. absolutely at a point where we have seen the superhero origin story a hundred times, right? There is a... 
there's maybe I don't want to say there's no need to give uh to give an origin story, but there's no need to follow those same beats. Right. Like uh, a lot of these heroes were created in in an in an older era, so a lot of their stories are similar. A lot of their uh, situations are similar. Like so, may that's why that's where you can take some creative liberties and do some things as long as it stays within the tone of the hero you're trying to tell to hero whose story you're trying to tell. It's okay to take a, a couple of liberties and 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 do your own thing just for the sake of not being so formulaic yes because you don't you also don't want to call um there's already going to be people who are going to try to compare right films of course and plots and of stuff. course you don't how, how many people to yourself. yeah how many people are calling aquaman wet thor <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> you know yep yep um but speaking of comparisons just a couple weeks after that new line cinema well not new line cinema actually warner brothers will be coming out with shazam the original uh, Captain Marvel. How wild is that? That both of these movies, you know, <laughs> yeah, like this is this is pretty big. Like there, this almost feels to me that Batman uh, v Superman Civil War thing, where they were going to drop in the same month, and then Warner Brothers moved it up a bit. But it it's was like, like yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's like one of those things that kind of happens in this medium of comic books, and uh, where like so there's so many of the stories are similar that these two these two different companies will have no idea what they're doing to what the other company's doing, but they will still end up coming out with something exactly similar in the same time frame because that seems like the way to go right now. And it's also weird to me, and you know, Mar- Marvel has won a lot of um, you know the, the respect of the, of the fans and stuff like that. They trust them, but with DC. It seems kind of weird to be making a movie and then making another movie before you realize how that movie's coming along. Like how that what about that movie people like? But they seem yeah. to trust these these properties enough. Um Shazam might be I said I liked um Aquaman. I just didn't think it was better than Wonder Woman. But I say that Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Shazam might be that trinity to drag everything up. You know, I, people just need I, to feel that it's not that not everything is the same. I feel like the way, uh, the way, like, okay, so the studio is not trusting the creative process of the DC universe is what got us into this mess in the first place, right? So, like, we what we needed was like this one singular driving force, the way Marvel had a Kevin Feige, right? Yeah. We 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 kind of didn't have that because the studio was constantly meddling and deciding, you know, how about this? This was the way we can make the most money, whatever, whatever. Uh, luckily, the people that were involved in those decisions are gone now. You know, they yeah. <laughs> so we'll see if maybe there's like a a consistent tone here, or if, or if may, like uh, a lot of the idea coming out of Aquaman and uh, Wonder Woman and now Shazam was that uh, a lot of these these uh, review sites and like Variety and everything were like maybe DC should focus on you know making singular movies with different tones before they try to put everything back together into one cohesive universe like that again. And when you look at Aquaman. Uh, you can see that there's like little, very small connection to the previous Justice League film, but they're not trying to weave that into the rest of DC's universe right now. Exactly, we're just yeah. trying to, we're just trying to tell this guy's story, and uh, we're just trying to tell Shazam's story. They don't have to co- connect yet, and maybe that's the way to go right now. Um, I think, I think so. I certainly think so. Yeah. I think that one of the greatest things about su- the superhero medium is that so many different stories are so many different genres. Right, but they're all in the same universe, and so maybe all happening at the same time. <laughs> yes, they don't have to be connected, you know, other than maybe a, a news report on the screen just to confirm that they're in the same universe. But they don't have these stories; don't have to be connected. Again, that was one of the big mistakes that they made in the beginning was trying to 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 rush 
a, an overpopulated universe of superheroes instead of uh, just focusing on Superman and then focusing on Batman and then right. focusing on Wonder Woman and you know. And we've so, already we've already been shown the trick. All you have to do is show it on the TV, and then Bruce Willis gets up from the diner and he says, <laughs> exactly, "Mr. Glass," exactly. And then he walks away, and that's all you got to do. Now it's very minimal. It, it's very it can be very minimal, but very impactful. You don't have to be so convoluted. That's true. Not everyone has to be related or have like direct uh, effects yeah, from everything exactly, that's going on and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. But um. Uh, Shazam, I, I think that this one is majority going to be taken straight from Jeff John's run in the New 52, those back issues that he was having, I believe it was in Justice League? Yeah, yep. Uh, those were, those were backstories in the first few issues of Justice League that were their own story, but eventually Shazam was integrated into the league. Yeah. And Which is, actually, again... He actually found what? himself a pretty good spot on the animated Justice League as well. Oh, they stuck him there right in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, you guys need to know who this guy is. Um... I feel like, okay, first of all, I feel like taken from Jeff Johns is like, that's like, uh, great. That's like the guaranteed good story right there. Like they're doing it with Titans. They're doing it with Titans now where the first season was like mostly Marv Wolfman based, but like, uh, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Titans, if you haven't seen the end credit (laughs) scene of Titans, maybe jump over this next 30 seconds, but, uh, they're going to be introducing crypto, the super dog and Superboy, which is, these are, these are elements from Jeff Johns, Teen Titans. So like Aquaman also, again, took from, uh, Jeff Johns uh, Jeff Johns run on Aquaman. So like, this is like the guarantee right here, which is ironic because they booted Jeff Johns from his position of creative power over at uh, DC films. Yeah. Right? One of the creative people, <laughs> one of the creative people on Green Lantern in 2011 was Jeff Johns. Um, I know yeah. he probably didn't have, you know, the actual steering wheel. But yeah. Think, he, that was know. apparently like part of his frustration back then was that he had all these ideas, but they would only take some of them and then shove their crap on top of it. So it's like, <laughs> I don't want to give him the blame for that because yeah. he's also part a, a, a crucial part of the 2020 Green Lantern core movie. Right. So like, I don't want people to hear Jeff Johnson be like, "Wait, didn't isn't that the guy that messed up the other one?" No, it's he crazy was not. because now that we've seen it, you know who would have been a really good director for Green Lantern? Taika Waititi. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> in Green Lantern. <laughs> so it's like he would have had all the characters and all the all the different planets and stuff they all would have been on deck and he was actually in green lantern so he would have been, you know he has a little bit of actual uh experience there but um w- it, it just bugs me the only thing that bugs me like i'm, I'm digging the shazam stuff and i'm j- i'm digging joker which we'll talk about later but um that's that slate we all saw that slate right the dc film slate Till 2022, I think it was, or something like that. How much of that is thrown out of the window, right? So much of it. But the main, (laughs) the main thing is, I want my Flash movie. Oh man, I I, you know I feel like that's untapped potential right there. And with the success of the TV show, it seems like like a slam dunk. But I don't understand why they are you know tiptoeing around this. I feel like the success of the TV show has been a detriment to the movie process. The TV show. Uh, it's almost perfect, you know. Like they're yeah. so willing to embrace the comic bookness of the Flash, God forbid, where, right? <laughs> where all the studios were like really scared to embrace things like the multiverse and like things that they thought were like confusing to the casual fan. But the TV show has shown that if you nurture these ideas and then expand upon them, mm-hmm. you can you can create a, a, a loyal audience and you can create a informed fans out of casual fans yep. right they'll know the, the when the flash started 
It was really simple. Guy with powers does his saving, right? Then we introduced the idea that, that he can travel through time. Now you've got that. So after that, we've introduced uh, multiple universes. And then we introduced the idea that he can travel them. So now all these concepts are not thrown at you at once. Yeah. They're probably very slowly given to you. And, uh, and then after you've got all these concepts together, now the casual fan understands all these things. And you can do something wild like Crisis on Infinite Earths, which we'll talk about later as well. Yeah. And like you said, they not only did they trickle them in, but they treated each development as the very important development as the earth shattering development as as they are like you know there's constant like you don't do this you do that you know you can really ruin things if you do this i compare that to our knowledge of i don't know the mother box Uh, (laughs) right (laughs) where i feel like there was not only do you not know anything about them in the films but we're gonna shove three in here and still not really tell you ever what they do or you still don't know what they are like they're like and the way, like the way they talked about them in the film, was like, "Was Steppenwolf talking to these boxes? Does mother, he think that's you his smell mom? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> is that actually his mother? Right, exactly. Yeah. parts of his mother did he spread them across the galaxy? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> I don't know. And um, that was the only thing I I was a little bit uh, uh trepidatious about in Aquaman. No one was like, "Bro, we got robbed!" Like <laughs> a year ago, some guy came with a with a scythe. And he just took all our shit and he left. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, uh, over under for Shazam, do we get a uh a post credit that speaks to the future of not just this film but DC? I think that the post credit on Shazam will uh just focus on the future of Shazam, like maybe okay. a, uh I don't want to say a Black Adam cameo because I'm very smell. yeah exactly like I'm certain. <laughs> Someone would have leaked the uh, the the news that The Rock was cast to do a post credit scene, but you know maybe we do get the um maybe we do get a, a, at least a tiny little uh, maybe CGI black black Adam uh, silhouette or you know something. That's yeah. my idea. I actually believe that the next Shazam movie is going to be like Black Adam based because they've had The Rock sitting on ice for all this time and Man, before Justice League, right? Yeah, way before Justice League, they were still working on fuck on uh, Batman v Superman. When oh we were... yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. He's, he was... been, he's been wearing Black Adam shirts and stuff. He's all like, he's like <laughs> fan art of himself and Henry Cavill fighting. Right now, now he's going back and deleting them like DC. <laughs> you know, they ain't going. They were never so, going to make this movie. He also wanted his own film, which I thought was weird. Like a uh, Black Adam's great, right? Black Adam is a great character. If you read the comics, you've read like 52, you've read like Shazam, he's a great foil to Shazam. Yeah, I just you, ever, you ever read uh, World War Three? Yes, yes. Really that was a really good Black Adam story there. That was, uh, that was the, like towards the end of 52 actually. Yeah. Um, the, a great Black Adam story. But um, I, I know that he can, ca- I know that he's got enough backstory to have his own movie. I just don't know how a uh, general audience would react to it. Maybe the just the name power of The Rock would bring in the type of attention that they want. But it's weird because I feel like the reason why that worked with Venom is because he's an anti-hero and they're playing up the whole, like, well, I'm just going to be a straight-up hero kind of deal. Uh, if you do the Black Adam movie, you would have to get Billy to rise up to meet him, right? Well, I mean, first got to do the story of uh, Atem. And, yeah. uh, 
you know, all that. Which, which, um, see, that's the cool thing about Black Adam was that he was not a villain. I mean, he's not nope. even, he's still, he's still not a villain, you know? He just has his certain very concrete set of ideals. Those ideals didn't exactly match the ideals of the wizard, and, um, things got a little weird for him. And like, he give was me your powers, old man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he's very much like Dr. Doom in that sense. Where, yes. you know, he, he does believe in rule and order, but he does, in his eyes, rule fairly and justly. Um, and usually when he's removed from power, his people are like, what are you doing? Like, everything was fine. Yeah, no, he's got, he's got just loyal, absolutely loyal following. I don't know if they're going to um, jump right into him being the leader of Kandak or anything like that. But um, did, I, we'll see. did they not mention Kandak in one of these films? I feel like they did, but at, I might be like... Is that where uh, Superman killed that guy? <laughs> You know what? <laughs> Flew him into the wall. Is that where? Is that where he did that? Was it? Was it? Was that in conduct? I, I feel know. like I could be lying. Like absolutely would not have let that happen. Exactly. He's like, what are y'all doing in my hood? Yeah, he no would. He wouldn't be having any of that. His Kandak is like a home for metahumans, kind of like Magneto's Genosha with mutants and everything like right. that. So, yeah, you know. I don't know, though. You know, uh, it looks like they're throwing out a lot of maybe ignoring some of the things that they've introduced in the past with these DC movies. As you said, they didn't really mention too much of the uh, Steppenwolf coming to steal the mother box from uh, Atlantis and mm-hmm. Aquaman. So, like, we might be ignoring things now. What I don't could, know. What could you tell me about this film's villain, Dr. Savannah? He's a ju- I don't want to say he's like a run of the mill villain, but, yeah. you know, he kind of he is. But, um,. You know, it, it, with the tone of this film, with the man-child Shazam and the innocence of Billy Batson, even though he's a little bit of a... If they're going to go for the New 52 version, he's a little bit of a rebel. Yeah. But I think that maybe a, a kind of classic run-of-the-mill villain is exactly what you need here. Yeah, and mustache twirling in the shadows, kind of. Because it looks... Maybe they... Like, you know, you got Shazam doing the Fortnite dances and everything, so it looks... <laughs> right, right. They might be aiming towards, you know, the the Marvel audience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that so, makes sense. Because literally, I mean, you look at some of these trailers, the other ones are not talking to kids. No, no, not you know, at all. Like, none of this other stuff is talking. Kids are like, I'm scared. <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> exactly. Shazam seems to be uh you know talking to these kids and actually one of the um, one of the another things i noticed is that you know contrary to what i was saying about aquaman ignoring a bit of its past shazam seems to be grasping onto it i know um billy batson one of his idols is in this movie is going to be like henry cavill superman he's got like toys he's got oh, like, he has a battering news and he has a battering like he really looks up to the idea of these heroes hmm, you know that might actually be what turns the tide because Maybe if they have Billy Batson fanboy over these guys, we could see what the actual because we we never get like the temperature. We never tell the temperature of how these heroes are being felt around the world. Besides these news articles that seemingly hate all heroes all the time. So if Billy is like, "Wow, you're the bat. You're the you're the guy who saved forty people from that you know flaming building," or "You're Superman. You're the guy who like maybe he can talk them into being more." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would love to see the way that the people of Earth react to the to these uh, these gods among men. It was yeah. like you know in Batman v Superman, you got like the media, which was it. it actually, it was actually probably 
pretty accurately portrayed. You know, the media yeah, tends to take things, arms, yeah. <laughs> do things like that. But we never got to see how the people felt. You know, we haven't seen things like that. So I'm absolutely looking forward to looking through Billy Batson's viewpoint and looking up at these heroes instead of looking down at the people. You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, definitely, definitely. But you're going to end up looking down anyway because come April 12th, straight out of Lionsgate, Hellboy returns. Hellboy uh, will be uh, um, my man Ron Perlman has been replaced by David Harbour of Stranger Things fame. And uh, in that film, he prepares to stop an ancient medieval sorceress, Mila Jovovich, <laughs> a.k.a. Uh, Nimue the Blood Queen, who seeks to destroy all of mankind. Literally, the plot was one sentence, but I've seen Hellboy 1, and you really just need one sentence to... <laughs> to, to, to not, not that it's bad in its, its simplicity, but it really is like... Uh, bad against evil you know um the original hellboy like it's such the movie is such a cult classic right Mm -hmm. that people are actually rejecting the idea of this new one like so i've got this this movie has a large hill to climb okay well like like, it has a lot of proving to do you know no matter how good the trailer might have looked because i thought it looked great no i thought hellboy looked great yeah. You know, I thought I thought it looked like it could be a great movie, but I think that no matter how good this movie is, people are so attached to Ron Perlman's version of it that they might not uh, come out of the gates the way they want to. Yeah, I wonder what do you what do you do in marketing? What do you do to you know to to change that? What do you do, right? I mean, I guess. You would, if it was up to me, you would cast Ron Perlman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I heard what happened was, um, you know, a little bit of the tea here on major issues. Supposedly, they were going to make an R-rated uh, sequel, or they were going to make a sequel um, sans Guillermo del Toro, who, you know, was very instrumental making the first film. And, yeah, and then Mr. Perlman was like, if you get rid of him, I'm not coming back. And so I guess this is an entire clean slate uh, idea with a with a darker, more adult themed uh, uh, story with David Harbour in the starring role. So this is supposedly did, uh, did Del Toro get did he get kicked or like did he I leave? Think he was not asked back. I think is what was said. You know how they how they always oh, gotta yeah, weird those they, things fought, they fired him. They fired him. <laughs> they always gotta wear those things so weird. But this is the same guy. This is the same guy that was supposed to be at the helm of Justice League Dark. Remember? Yes, he was, and that was like one of his passion projects. He was so excited to do that. Yeah, and he wrote, supposedly he wrote the entire script. They just haven't picked it up. Like he literally was on Twitter one day just like, these are the scripts I've written that no one's picked up. And one of those things was uh, uh, Incredible Hulk pilot. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, Hulk. Can you imagine? Yeah, he's – and they don't want to give it to him. It's it's like what you were saying before about hiring these prolific visionaries and then being like, close your eyes. Now we'll tell you what to do. <laughs> and I guess that's part of the problem too, where like some of these uh, studio execs, they want to be the ones in charge. Right. And they don't want to let these directors, these like legendary directors who have proven track records, just run their own ship. Which is weird because literally their biggest successes in history have been giving the full reins to visionary directors, right? Like, you talk, think, think of the Dark Knight trilogy, how big Batman 89 popped, stuff like that. Now, yeah, Returns didn't sell Happy Meals, but, you know, that was a very distinct vision that Burton had. And that vision got it to where, you know, where it was. And then uh, Patty Jenkins with Wonder Woman. So it you it behooves them to just trust the people who get paid to make those. And you're going to pay them anyway, so why don't you just <laughs> trust them? I don't, I don't get it. 
It's like they're, they're a bit, it's uh, it's like the old the old story, you know, these executives are not in touch. They don't have their finger on the pulse anymore. They work with what they think will work and what the people that tell them yes will work. Yeah. You got somebody in the studio just giving them hashtags and stuff. How do you feel about yeah, Mila yeah. Jovovich? Yeah, uh, exactly. How do you feel about Mila Jovovich coming in? You know, uh, she's she's been on that Resident Evil tip for a minute and now she's coming in. Doing this Hellboy thing, does that mean the end of Resident Evil? Do you see a resurgence of that video game fran- movie franchise? Uh, I definitely see a resurgence of the video game franchise. We got Resident Evil 2 coming next year, and that's like, that remake is going to be wild. Yeah, I heard but that first one was amazing. The movies, um, as far as Mila Djokovic is, uh, as far as her, her set of movies are concerned, as far as I've heard, they're done. Okay. It, they're is done. it bad that you could do the snap and she could just be Black Widow? Is that, is, that, is, that, is that is that mean to say? We can replace we can replace Scott. Like I don't I don't I don't have a big problem with Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, but yeah. if you had to, I wouldn't have a problem with it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I, I okay. have. But we go from Hellboy, which might be a little bit, uh, you know, um, get people a little bit nervous about whether or not they're going to go see it, to the movie that everyone in the entire world is going to go see: Avengers Endgame. From Marvel, out April 26th, the remaining Avengers, Iron Man, Thor, Black Widow, Captain America, and Bruce Banner, must figure out a way to bring back their vanquished allies for an epic showdown with Thanos, the evil demigod who decimated half the planet and the universe. What is your excitement for this film right now? Oh, man. Okay, so like everyone else on the planet, right? <laughs> like, I'm ultra oh, we, we've, we've yet to speak about this, me and you. I've spoken a little bit about it with GT and with uh, uh, Carlos Maximus, but I haven't spoken to you about how you feel about this whole end game thing? I okay, so I was one of the people that thought we could have went without a trailer or anything. <laughs> right, I'm yeah. Right. The buzz for this movie is that, and uh, is that maybe the highest I've ever seen? Like I've never seen something like this. Okay, yeah. because okay, this is a special thing. Like we've never had a, a cinematic universe that had like it's twenty two movies in one cohesive thing. Not like James Bond, you know, where like every movie's like. They might be connected, they might not, you know, whatever. No, these are 22 freaking connected films, right? That yeah. the momentum just keeps rising, right? Now, we're at a the, an all-time high right here. Like, this buzz is wild. Yeah, this the is way the fever in, pitch, right, that people talk this, about. This is it, you know? Um... I, I'm, I'm part, of, I'm, I'm all for it. Like, I, I'm all, I'm caught up. Like, I'm hyped, you know? I'm, the less I know about what's coming, the, 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 the better, in my right. eyes. So, I, it, I would... It's weird because I feel as if um, I, I I because everything is because my excitement is so high and um, especially when you've been uh, interested in this genre as long as you have, you tend to temper your expectations, right? But Marvel always knocks it out of the park. So I'm at this weird position of like, this movie's gonna be great. Well, it, it, how great can it be? Well, Infinity War was freaking great, you know. <laughs> so I'm doing this whole like back and forth thing, but. I'm what I, I have this conversation with people all the time where I say that I've been in a relationship, quote unquote, with Marvel for longer than I have been in most relationships, like friend or otherwise. <laughs> um, and so when I went to go see Infinity War, I used to tell people I'm going to go see old friends. Like these are yeah. these are people that I know. I know Captain America. I know Bruce Banner. Um, I know what Tony Stark would say or do. And to the point that when you had that uh, Tony Stark fake out death. There was an audible gasp in my uh, theater. People yelled out, "No!" Like stood up oh, and yelled man. out, I, "No!" That's, 
when he got stabbed, you know, when when Thanos stabbed him, and everyone yeah. thought that was it. You, it was like you said, an audible gasp from like fifty people in the theater, like this is it. You know, like people are people are so attached to these characters that I worry yeah. for movies post Endgame. Yeah. You know, and, like and I'm a cat fan, so this entire Endgame thing, I'm gonna be watching. Be- like my eyes will be co- covered, but I'll be squinting through the fingers <laughs> because I know my man's gonna get it. And I'm just, I'm like ready. I'm waiting for it, but like not. But the thing is, like I, I feel that there's so much. Um, and sorry for our younger audience out there. I feel like there's so much of the dick that hasn't been showed yet. <laughs> Marvel. It's just a tip. It's just a tip. I, I that trailer gave us nothing. That's great, though. I yeah, love I that. Love, I love that some too, people, as well. Yeah. Some people were like, "Oh man, that was underwhelming." No, man, you know what you're about to get. You know, like you don't need the entire story told to you before you see the film. Yeah, that's a big problem today, where 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 people get so much of the film told to them before they see it that they get a preconceived notion of it. They exactly. already yeah. think if they're gonna like it or they're gonna love it, and they'll go into the film with that idea no matter what. And you also had, um, you know, that whole little Tony Stark gambit that's going on in space that that's something that people weren't even really considering so you could spend some time on that you know like how does a man you play uh the martian in space right you have him out there like trying to build something or do something uh so i think all of that is interesting and like again i said this on the infinity war cast like i get the whole well black panther 2 has already been greenlit and, and dr strange like don't talk to me about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that literally could be anything at this point. Yeah, well, like, well, like we know because we read comics. But, like, these people, like, they're legacy characters. They can pass their titles down. That's yeah. because, you know, just because Black Panther, 2, Black Panther 2 has been greenlit doesn't mean that Shuri won't be the Black Panther. Damn, you know? Exactly. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, uh, but, again, I still worry for movies post-Avengers Endgame. Because, like, this is the end of an era. No, definitely. Right? And they this, said this. They said that these films, Infinity War and Endgame, would mark a distinctive uh, difference in phases between phases one, two, and three and the rest of Marvel. Um, and as you're saying, my worry also is, is in there in the sense that can we build up somebody else for 10 years? Can we? You know, we've got, I guess, the, the new generation would be, uh, what, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Black Panther. Captain Marvel. Uh, Captain Marvel and I guess because I guess Bucky because yeah, you know yeah. he's still, he's still got like eight movies seven movies left in his contract right. but um I, I I I guess having them coexist with the already are already existing legendary what five six Avengers yeah. right might have helped give them the rub but um this is gonna be this is also apparently like the last Avengers film right we're gonna live in a Marvel universe where we're not. We're not in between Avengers films. Like the phases for me, like everything in between Avengers films were like those were in between Avengers films. We're waiting yeah. for the next one. These are always building towards the next big story, right? Are people willing to go from that to like character driven, regular like one one movie stories? Like is that not, is that not real? Not having that um that, that west hope- area, right? Like that. Yeah, we're just gonna go over here because we know this is gonna end with. Uh, Age of Ultron or the first Avengers. We know where this is going. Without that clear-cut map, will people still follow Marvel to its various um, things? And I, I honestly feel like they need to start taking chances on some of the... Like, I, I know I sound a little bit, you know, uh, got the rose-colored glasses on, but some of that, some of the, the sparks that they were able to hit on Netflix, like, inspired 
this whole different side of what Marvel could be. And I it doesn't need to be all that, but like how do you not have D'Onofrio's Kingpin on a film yet? Yes. Oh my god, I know! It's, uh, okay, like, this is my problem, too, with, like, MCU sometimes. It's their willingness to ignore everything that isn't. Like, I know Kevin Feig runs a tight ship. You know, like, he, if it, if he didn't think of it himself with his, uh, his committee, or whoever it is that sits in a room with him to, uh, think up the next set of films, then he doesn't want anything to do with it, right? So, I don't think we'll ever see, uh, D'Onofrio's Kingpin run up against, uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, and that's a freaking tragedy. Gosh, do you think that uh, Sony will end up taking Spider-Man back? I think that Amy... Oh, actually, Amy Pascal had mentioned being really happy with their relationship currently. Uh, the problem... The problem is that they're so happy that they're a little too happy. And, like, her... her I don't want to call her a big mouth, right? But she, they were... They wanted Marvel to immediately, like... They wanted Marvel immediately to start working on the next Spider-Man film. And they wanted it to be you know, out there. They want to buzz for it, but Marvel knows what they're doing, so uh, it might not even be Sony's, like, decision. Maybe Kevin Feige might decide that uh, this lady is giving us more trouble than she's worth. Oh my and... god, I will never forget that little interview that they did. <laughs> where, <laughs> where, uh, they're like, so Venom, is this in the MCU? And she's like, yeah, I mean, it totally can be. And he's like, what? <laughs> what? It's like when um, somebody's like, uh, so did you guys hand the group project? And then it's like, yeah, we all did it. And you're the only one who did it. It's like, wait a minute. You can't just put your name on this. What do you think this is? She <laughs> was working hard for this. She was actually the person who, who again, I don't want to call her a big mouth, but this is these are big mouth qualities. Right. <laughs> she was the person who said, you know, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home takes place minutes after Avengers Endgame, right? Oh, so yes, you did. And, oh, then, and, and that's literally God. in the synopsis after the events of Avengers Endgame, blah, 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 blah. They got no, they got no, uh, they got no choice after that, after she opened her mouth. Yeah, that's true. You know? And so, how, how much of a back and forth did we deal with, with Venom, right? It's in. It's not. It's in. It's not. It might be in. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, like, that was never man. gonna happen though. Like if, like as a fan, as a person on the outside, I can see that this man runs his ship the way he wants to, and if you're not cooperating with him, he'll throw you out. But like that, that's the entire point of quality control, right? It is, and in some, and most times, uh, most times that might not that that that's not that doesn't work, but. In the MCU, it's been the formula for success. You know, a lot of a lot of the directors might not have liked it. I know Joss Whedon came out of the other side of Age of Ultron, really, uh, di- really disgruntled with Edgar, the process. Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright yeah. yes, um, and even Patty Jenkins back in the day. Right. Um, but um, it's been the formula of success all this time. So I guess don't don't break, don't touch it if it isn't broken. You know, don't fix it. Don't. There's no need to fix what isn't broken. So. Have- um, Oh, go ahead. Well, no, no, you can go ahead. I was going to say, do you have any out-of-the-box predictions for Adventures uh, Endgame? Yes. Uh, if Well, like, maybe not out-of-the-box, but I'm, like, totally thinking that we're going to get to see some of the cosmic beings in the Marvel Universe. Like, because, okay, please, so we've got... Please, We've got please, Eternals. Man. We've got the Eternals movie coming, right? Ava right. DuVernay, yeah. right? So, I'm sorry, she's doing New Gods. You know, the freaking Eternals and the New Gods are, they're like Jack Kirby, right? I, I, was just about to say, I was just about to say, they're doing the Kirby movies. Those the are the Kirby movies. Everyone's doing the Kirby movies now. Um, but yeah, we've got the Eternals movie coming. We already introduced the Celestials and the Guardians, right? Yeah. Um, 
This is just, this is, I feel like the way, like, with my experience with the Marvel films, when they do things like this, it's never for no reason. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, in the original, in the, in the original story, uh, Infinity, in the original Infinity Gauntlet story, right, Thanos does what he does. The snap happens, right? Well, yep. you know, the snap. And then he has to face the wrath of the cosmic gods of yeah, the Marvel Eternity, Universe. Uh, I think Eternity is the only one I ever remember because he looks like space. No, you got Eternity. <laughs> got the living tribunal yeah, you've got, yeah. you got all these wild cosmic beings right yep. you can have that you can have Thanos fight kevin feige yeah yeah remember they all come to him like what the hell do you think you're doing what is going on right yeah. what is going on and then you know nebula nebula gets the the gauntlet and uh it happens but um i i don't think because you know marvel is not known to follow these source material by the book yeah. So I don't think it's going to end up the same way, but I think that we are going to see some of these cosmic beings because we're, why are they doing an Eternals movie, right? That's not coming out of nowhere, right? right? No, so, right. See, I was, I'm hoping for that, but I'm also hoping for a little bit of it on a smaller scale. I want Captain Marvel to bring the, the reinforcements. I want Gladiator. I want uh, uh, Quasar. You know, I want oh, I want some that. of these some of these space people. I mean, and you can do it like Guardians where they just show up for this. Or doesn't she have her own like Alpha Flight, Alpha Force? Yeah, she does. Um, Alpha Force. Well, um, yeah, but she would have had to have been on Earth for that, I think. Oh, Which yeah. she has. She hasn't been. She's been out in space. So Which then you... I, that that connects me to the idea that I think that she's going to be over humans, Kree, and Scroll all using her. And so she's yeah. like, you know what? Screw it. I'm out. I can't trust none of you. I'm 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 leaving. I would love to. Well, I guess we have to see Captain Marvel first to see where they leave her. Yeah. But um, I would love the idea of like a done with Earth's crap, done with everyone's crap. Captain Marvel being <laughs> right. dragged into the fight, you know, like, Lucy's like, I'm, you know, let me tell you about Earth. <laughs> let me put this out real quick and deal with this big purple dummy. Uh, you know, I, you know, it wouldn't be an Avengers conversation if I didn't ask it. What is your over under on any of the Fox properties making at least a little bit of a hint in this film? You almost want it. I in my in my I think that they have to do it, you know, I think, but the deal doesn't, the deal isn't even closed yet, you know, the movie is right. already probably post-production, Yeah, but the deal isn't closed, and that makes me think that it's not going to happen, but this would be the time to do it, this yeah. would be it, like, this would be the perfect place to put that hook, because you're going to need something to bring people back, right? And something you're, familiar, right? Slightly familiar, we're, we're, familiar. We're, we're losing so much of what we know supposedly in endgame right like a lot of what we've grown uh as yeah. fandom here chris I mean, evans basically almost spoiled that he's gone right then he tried to come out afterwards and to yeah, uh like, no i got many more appearances left. Uh, sure i'll be back sure yeah. yeah okay okay but um yeah we're gonna lose a lot of what we know we're gonna lose some of our favorite heroes right now so this familiarity is something that we need we need a hook all right even if it's just a cgi silhouette of a dude with three claws in his hand and a stretchy dude and a fire dude, right? We, we just give us something, yeah. you know, so a reason to think, you know, okay, the future is bright. It's not, it, the future is great. Cause I'm like, I'm legitimately worried. Like, as I said, for the future post end game. Uh, well, you know, you don't even gotta be worried about the future. You should be worried now. Cause come June 7th, Fox puts out X-Men dark Phoenix. 
the, the what the second and a half telling of this story um, <laughs> in in the decades worth of time uh the x-men must face the most formidable and powerful foe when their own gene gray starts to spiral out of control during a rescue mission in our space gene is nearly killed when she's hit by a mysterious cosmic force which i'm glad that they're going to space for i, I you know are we gonna see lalandra La uh xavier's boo with the weird we hair might, the we christmas might, tree hair might see the, the, the... <laughs> We see the new X Men ending of uh the of Gene's story on the moon yeah. with Scott and everything. <laughs> Scott Gene. Scott, yeah. Gene. <laughs> well, it, judging by the trailer, it looks like they're gonna follow a lot of the same beats as uh the last telling of this story, which was you know, it, which wasn't great. It was, was that not just great. Me? No, no. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to spend time ch- crapping all over uh, <laughs> X. Yeah, X three. But, um, but um, I I see that they're following a lot of the same uh, beats, and from what I heard, Kevin Feige actually looked over this. You know, they say um, they say he had a, not that he had a hand in the production, but that he looked over it. Yeah, I also heard that they've done a lot of reshoots, and that they're that the placing of where it's at is strategic. The placing I think that, of where I, it's at in the in the um. In you know chronological order, where all these films that they're coming out with is strategic. I think that's interesting. You know, um, I think that it's interesting that his name even came up. You yeah. know, yeah. In this, in this, I don't want to, I don't want to fanboy all crazy and be like, what? Put on my tinfoil hat. This means that their X Men are coming to the MCU, but it's gonna be these guys. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know. Part of me feels bad for them because when they signed on for these movies, I'm sure they thought, you know, I'm gonna be part of a franchise. You know, this is yeah. it. And the I'm... and the franchise, right? You talk about 2000. X Men was the franchise. Like yeah. Iron Man, what? Pioneers. They were pioneers in the in the in the uh, superhero movies. Yeah. Of course, they did. Um, they were made in a time where they weren't really willing to grasp the comic bookiness of the X Men. Yeah, but, but but ensemble cast. You're talking about you know Alan Cummings, Halle Berry, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen. Like they they put the money up there. They got some. Um, Kelsey Grammer. I don't even think we're gonna get a, a better grown ass gre- uh, oh, beast. Never get a better beast than Kelsey Grammer. I was I looking at him the other day, and I'm like. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, like I said, I thought it was just interesting that Kevin Feige's name even came up. Like, why is he here? You know, what is he doing? Is he like, let me see what these X-Men are about? Does he not know who the X-Men are? You know, I doubt that that's the case. So why exactly, what exactly was he doing? Was he considering bringing this existing uh, rebooted franchise over now? Because, you know, Fox already did the hard work, right? They rebooted the X-Men once. And they even did it in story, which was pretty cool. Um, so, like, it wouldn't be too much of a far-fetched thing to, like, maybe make the snap or the re- undoing of it the reason for the X-Men existing now, right? But, um, and if you need, and I don't if you know. Need an, if you need another linchpin, you got Scarlet Witch right there. Yes, you, exactly. You've already got mutants here, right? We've yeah. already got mutants. So, um... I don't know, man. I mean, I'm excited for the movie because I like the first class generation of movies. Like, yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan. I didn't. I thought, uh, I thought they could have done a better job with Apocalypse. Yeah. But the movie was, the movie was okay. You know, I didn't think it was mind blowing, but I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed First Class. I enjoyed Days of Future Past a lot. I enjoyed Apocalypse. Uh, Dark Phoenix looks like it's gonna be in the same vein, and I'm a little sad to see it end. But I'm also really happy to see, uh, to see the X Men back home where they belong. It's yeah. kind of like, it's kind of like I felt when, because like I'm maybe in the minority, but I was a fan of the Amazing Spider Man films. I was as well. I was like, I, I enjoyed Andrew Garfield's Spider Man. 
you know? Yeah. Um, so I was a little sad, and I felt bad for him when uh, Spider-Man went to Marvel, and he kind of got screwed out of uh, opportunity there. You and, know, even- so mu- and so much was not in his power to change yeah, or, exactly. or, or move or anything. Exactly. He did the best that he could, and he did great. But it wasn't his fault for what happened, and I completely understand why it happened, you know? And I think that that's actually the reason why these X-Men are definitely not going to be brought over to the MCU for the same reason that Andrew Garfield wasn't. Yeah, they're going to clean the slate. They need a clean. They need a clean slate. Absolutely. Yeah. So what? Uh, I guess out of the box prediction for Dark Phoenix. Out of the box prediction would be yeah. like freaking uh, MCU connections, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. But uh. But like I said, I doubt it. I doubt it. But I wouldn't mind. You know, out of the box predictions, maybe this. Uh. Maybe they start leading towards another movie that they're never gonna get. But um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll do, I guess, a, an easy one. I'm gonna say that somewhere in here we get Deadpool. I think. Oh I, man! I think that it's time for them to 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 connect those dots. And I get that a lot of Deadpool's charm is that they can't afford to have the X Men on all his films, and I, I get that too. But I also heard that Ryan Reynolds wants to move away from Deadpool centric films. He still wants to play Deadpool. He wants to do ensemble things, yeah, right? Yeah, he wants to do ensemble things, like an X-Force or something like that. And you, can, you can grab some real good people from the uh, X-Men franchise for that. I think Deadpool 2 really is what gave him that feeling. Because it works, right? When he has more people to bounce off of, it yeah. works really well. Like, it already works well, but like when he has like a serious big freaking cable and shit... You and, know. That's the, and that's the whole thing, of even in the comics. like he, A Deadpool comic is bananas, but you can read comics that he's just in and he's pretty tame because he has to play at the same level as everybody else. He still gets to be, you know, a loud mouth and he still gets to be silly and funny and violent. But the what you the joy that you get is seeing other people's faces when he does those yes. things. <laughs> I prefer like, I prefer seeing him with other heroes than I do alone. Like me personally, I'm not the biggest like Deadpool comic guy. You know, yeah. I love the comedy yeah. stuff. He's great. But I love to see him with other people. Like, Deadpool and Cable was great. Deadpool, when he became an Avenger with the Uncanny yeah, Avengers. Yeah, Cap, Cap and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that was, was really good. That was great. That was yeah. great because then you also get to see, like, you get to see how he feels about the things that they do. You know? Yeah. Like, it's like he's very funny and everything, but he's got his he's got his own ideals, too. Oh, I read Did- Thunderbolts with him, and he was getting jealous. i never seen Deadpool get jealous. I was like, wait a minute. Wow, he's... He has other emotions besides slapstick, which is good there to was know. A, there was a uh, – when he was on the X-Force with uh, Wolverine and he was bringing someone new on the team, I think it was uh, – oh, man, it's slipping the tongue. Phantom X? I don't, Phantom X. It was, it was Phantom X who had, had a history of like he has killed kids in the past, right? And yeah. Deadpool was like, I'm not working with this guy. You know, I've done a lot of stuff in my past. You know, I was an assassin, right. but this guy kills kids. And I'm that's, not, and that's the line, right? That's, That's his you line. Know, yeah. You know, I love to see that part of him. Right. And we got a little bit, they touched a very little bit about that in X, in X2, I mean, X2, Deadpool 2, when he, he has like, the, the camera sits on him uh, for a second when he's talking to Russell when the cops are all there and trying to subdue him. And he like tells everybody, like, calm down for a second. And he turns to the kid sincerely and is like, are they hurting you here? And it was like <laughs> a real heartfelt, like, Yes. He, yes. Exactly. He cut all the the BS out, all the joking and the puns out for a second to be like, "Hold the hell on! There's a bigger crime at stake. Someone's hurting a child." And to think that like the guy who's cutting off people's hands and stapling them to their heads is like 
cares about something like that, I think that that's very important for these franchises to capitalize on to show that they're still aligned. You know, we we definitely need to humanize these heroes, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the that's one of the good like that's one of the things that Marvel does best. You know, whereas whereas DC they're usually you know gods among men. Mm-hmm. Marvel Marvel is usually men trying to be gods, right? right? And the biggest example of that is Spider-Man, who's always just trying to be bigger and better than what he is, when in actuality, he's a teenage boy. Yes, you know, exactly. just simply a teenage boy. And speaking of Spider-Man, coming July 5th, straight out of Sony, so NY, uh, is Spider-Man Far From Home. And the synopsis on this, I was actually pretty interested on. After the events of Avengers Endgame, Peter Parker goes to a summer vacation in Europe with his friends. While abroad, he teams up with Mysterio to battle the Elementals. And after doing some research on the Elementals, turns out Hellfire is the leader. He can generate flames. We got Hydron, who can control water. Magnum, who can control earth and rock. And Zephyr, who can control air. That's a female. Um, now, I remember early on, people saw like a, a special effects reel or something like that of, of uh, Peter taking out a bunch of water. They thought it might be Hydro Man and stuff. This elemental thing feels very much to me like a scapegoat. Yeah, I hope so. You know, because as for everything I've seen, this feels like a filler movie. You know, right. like like it feels like just uh, we're, 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 we're doing a movie right now because we had to. You know, we had to do a Spider-Man film right now. Yeah, we're contractually obligated. Yeah, and, um, you know, like, we're going on summer vacation, guys. It's like another... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's teaming up with Mysterio, meaning, like, the villain turn isn't going to come until maybe the end, and then we won't get the Spider-Man versus his classic foe until another film. Oh, my God, I saw a concept art with him without the helmet, and I'm like, they better put that helmet on him. Black man to put the helmet on, bro. You better put the helmet on. He absolutely better put the helmet on. I'm just like, I'm just like at a point where like you've got Spider Man. We don't need to be doing these filler films. You know, we can get right into the good stuff. You know, like you yeah. you know you and, never and know. More, you could lose them. I mean, <laughs> shown it hasn't been shown more clearly than when you see um the PS4 Spider Man. They don't have time oh, exactly. to tell you an entire histories worth of stuff. They give Wait, you the hits and the, that, the, 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 the greatest hits and encore. <laughs> and you know what the songs are. You know what songs they want you want them to play. And they play them all. And it that's just, great. They did a great job of that type of storytelling in the first in the homecoming, where we didn't have to run through the old Iron Man uh Spider-Man origin. You know, we saw we know Uncle Ben is gone. We know how he passed away. We 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 know what he went through as a kid. Like we well, now we can just jump right into, you know, he's got a relationship with Tony and uh, he's in school trying to juggle his superhero life, right? I also feel, yeah, and I also feel like after these, uh, after the events of Endgame, there has to be either A, a mind wipe, or B, something something similar, because I don't think Aunt May just lets him go to Europe after half of the world. Exactly! How are we, like, that's another thing, like, how are we, like, going, Jared, straight into, straight into a summer trip to Europe, guys? I know we've been through a lot. I need time to, to I need time. You've done your homework. The last time Spider-Man was in Europe was in Germany, and that's when that whole airport thing happened. <laughs> I mean, come on, people. Connect the dots. They're right there. Um, so, yeah, it feels like a bit of a filler film, like I was saying. I'm just, I want to get into the nitty-gritty of Spider-Man. We're here. We have him. Why are we playing games? How long do you think they should keep the Green Goblin on, on ice. I don't think they should have kept him on ice in the first place. We were doing like we. I get that it's been done, right? And I get that Twice. they were going <laughs> or three they times were... if you want to count. Uh, what's his face, uh, Franco? 
And but the only one, the one real, the one properly done time, right? The one properly done Norman Osborn Green Lantern was the first Spider-Man movie. That was so long ago, you yeah. know. He was really uh, good though. He was. He was, a, he was a pretty awesome Norman though. Or maybe, but but there's so many other villains. You know, you don't even have to do Spider-Man. You don't even have to do Norman now. Like you can just have Osborn exist. Yeah. If you want, he doesn't have to yeah. be Green Lantern yet. You know, uh, he's got freaking. Oh, I guess we can't do Kingpin now, which sucks. Oh my god, I I love that that dichotomy is what got me into Spider Man because I was a real big fan of Spider Man the animated series, and so I always thought that uh, Fisk lived in the Sears Tower, and so I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> they just came down and Spider Slayers would come out. Like that's all I knew um, for him, and he had that weird, like vaguely exotic accent. I'll get you, Spider-Man. Like, he had, like, this weird, like, I've traveled accent. I'll never forget that, and I'll never forget when he he called him, like, fat, and then he jumped at him, and then he got bear hugged. Yeah, he got bear hugged, and he was like, oh, now you know what 92% uh, uh, muscle or 8% body fat feels like or something like that. I was like, oh, damn. Kingpin getting it. But, yeah, we've got... We've got um. They already introduced a few villains in Homecoming, right? You had Shocker, you had a uh, Vulture, uh, you had uh, uh, Scorpion, Scorpion. Like, wait, why are we not doing Sinister Six, guys? Yeah, like, what are we doing? Capitalize on the popular. Well, I guess they did not have any idea how popular the Spider-Man PS4 <laughs> game would be. And plus, last time that they front loaded the Sinister Six, they got in real big trouble. Remember, <laughs> uh, Spider-Man Two, Amazing oh, Spider-Man Two. They did. <laughs> the characterization of some of those were like really iffy and funny, though. I would say that Marvel, Marvel's uh, MCU has a good track record of keeping things, even though they're not exactly following the source material, they keep the proper tone of these characters. Like the characterization of these people is always on point. Yeah. I feel like they could have done it much better than anybody else has. Gun to your head. Who is your Sinister Six lineup? I want to go with the classic. With the regular classic team, like exactly, like we even got a Rhino, right? They introduced Rhino in Homecoming. No, they introduced Rhino in uh. And that uh, was um. Gosh, this I might am be the Rhino. <laughs> this, might, this, this might actually be one of the problems they're having, where if like if you do uh if you do use these villains that they've already done, all the movies start to blend in together in your head. I also feel <laughs> like you can't do a Sinister Six without Oc. Doc Ock, he should have his own film again. Like I know Spider-Man Two is like the greatest, of, one of the greatest of all time, right? The people think people, a lot of people consider Spider-Man, or maybe considered before into the Spider Verse. You know, right, the right. one of the Spider-Man Two, the greatest of all time. So it's like really worrisome. Like, do we want to do this again? But um, I don't know. Like you, you, you. This is a clean slate now. You, you have to. You know, the die is cast. Right? <laughs> you have to. <laughs> I'm sure at this point, in this at the, society today understands the idea and concept of a reboot and movies that would have the same characters but aren't the same story, right? Yeah. And now so we like, have, now we'll have a guy who's 16 butting up to an older scientist instead of a guy who's 25. Yeah. Learning, <laughs> le- learning poetry to to exactly. Yeah, no, I, I I totally get it. Um, and Ock, um, you know, reborn and. The PS4 Spider-Man, you know, he got a a, a new layer of um, characterization with that whole like deep um, friendship he has with Peter and the betrayal, the actual betrayal of that. And I want them to speak more to that because when when he, when Harry turned, he wasn't like really betrayed. He was just like, oh, why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> this is weird. But there should have been way more like, no, like this is you know we're we're 
we're boys. Like you're you're you've gone crazy. Instead, he like threw a, a goblin bomb in his face and shit. And, like, <laughs> just let, it, let it be what it is. But I think um, Ak is there, and then me personally, because I've just gotten my tendrils in this a little bit deep. I want Superior Spider-Man, man. I really like that book. I really like the Superior Spider-Man book. And what they've been able to do with Ock and that just has me look at the character in a whole new, uh, you know. I loved, 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 loved the original Superior Spider-Man story. The 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 mass like media hysteria of them killing Peter Parker. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I loved it. I loved that. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Because people didn't trust it at all. Like, what? You're killing Peter Parker. Yeah. I can't believe this. The story ended up being great. And the emotionals were great. Like, he's, it was great. Like, I was emotionally attached. Like, I thought Doc was doing all the right things, you know? He's like, man, I, you're, you're Spider-Man, but looking at it from outside of the bubble, I can improve your your superheroing. Like, yeah, let's I, I, always tell, I always tell the story about how Peter Parker's greatest villain got him a doctorate. And <laughs> when he was taking over his body, he was like... Nah, screw that. I'm gonna be Dr. Peter Parker. I'm like, I'm all for that. You know, I'm with it. And just the, the suit. Um, after watching uh, Into the Spider-Verse, it's clear to me that if they ever want to just put Peter Parker on ice, that the 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 lore of just everything behind him is so powerful. And Venom shows this that you can focus on certain characters and certain um stories and go from there. Now I get that Spider-Man, especially now Tom Holland, has become the new toy. I get that. But um, this character is ye- decades old, you know. Uh, he just hit issue 800, right, last year? Yes, he did. Year. Um, And so, you know, he's getting close to the, those those hallmark moments. And some people may think that they know the entire story back to front by now. Um, there was even people suggesting a live action into the Spider-Verse. What do you think oh, about that? Uh, well, see, like, I feel like Sony just found their niche. You know, like they just, they just, they just grab. Like you got it, we got it. We were messing up with the live action Spider Man, right? But we handed the reins over to people who can deal with it, and now we have something we can play with, and we got it. Like we've got a multiverse of Spider Men. We can we can create them if we want. If we want to, if we want new characterizations on these characters, we can throw in one with, that we create that we created and put him with with an already established did, Miles. Did have you read Spider? Getting, they seem to just be throwing ideas against the wall and seeing what sticks. I don't, I don't know if they thought Spider Gwen would do as well as she did. Spider Gwen was, um, Spider Gwen was one of those like, okay, like I was when Spider Verse happened, right? They did the Edge of Spider Verse prelude stories. Yeah. So each of these characters got one issue to really be fleshed out, and we got to see. And Spider Gwen's was the one that stuck because people have this, they have this desire. To see Gwen Stacy, like comic fans, all know Gwen Stacy. Some of them were not alive. Like some of today's comic fans were not alive when Gwen Stacy was a regular Spider-Man character. We only know her retrospectively, right? So, like, Very untimely end, and her untimely end, and the way that it affected Peter. Like, you read something like Spider-Man Blue, and you know, like his love was Gwen Stacy, and he ended up with Mary Jane only because Gwen Stacy died, right? You have this you have this desire to see what it would be like if she was still alive today, right? So she was like, she blew up. You know, that character exploded to the point where she exists in movies now, which is wild. I thought that was one of the biggest stories of, like, in comics recently, like Spider-Gwen's existence being so uh, crucial now 
And yeah. um, but um, I think that doing a live action Spider Verse would undercut what Sony has just now discovered could be very successful. That actually makes a lot of sense. Did you hear they were gonna patent that uh that animation stuff? I just found out about that. First of all, let me say I love that, right? Being a freaking comic fan, I'm like, yes, more of this, please. You know, uh, so patenting it is smart on Sony's behalf. Great. I don't blame them for it at all. And um, apparently they are already working on expanding this. We're getting a spider, a, a, a women's, a female-centric Spider-Verse film, as well as a sequel to, to Spider-Verse with Miles in the driver's seat and his relationship with Gwen Stacy. Uh, and yeah. So they even, they even kind of showed that it was a, it was an odd characterization, but when you think about moving into the future, that that Peter Parker's kind of like a, uh, like he's done, you know, like he's an older gentleman. He's at the end of his rope. He's done. He's done. Saved the world a million times. He done got the girl a million times, but you know, it's about, Time to like what, what have you done with this? And I think Miles is not only a suitable replacement, but they've done such a good job keeping him afloat in Marvel that he's the obvious replacement. I think him living in a universe where Peter Parker is dead is also a really it's also really uh convenient, you know, like you know, we don't ever have to show up Peter Parker again. We can do Miles Morales, we can do Miles Morales films. It's like you see he died. He he was here, he died. So, He's dead, you know. You want to watch Mar? You want to watch Spider Man? Go uh, catch your MCU films. Like they've got it. They've they've get. I honestly think they can't mess this up, but they might find a way. I hope not. <laughs> never, know, never know. Um, out of the box prediction for Far From Home. Uh, we I guess out of the box prediction for Far From Home would be the a post credit stinger that shows some wild overarching a connection to some wild overarching Spider Man uh, um, Marvel Marvel story that's upcoming. Maybe uh someone in uh, in Far From Home is a scroll. Uh, yeah, that actually works. Think we get any Venom ties? No, no, I don't <laughs> no. think that. I don't so think that's you think ever that's more, gonna happen. It's more likely that we get something Spider Man. I mean, uh, yeah, Spider Man MCU related. Yeah, uh, I, I, I would hope for more. Um, like I said, uh, since at, at post Endgame, we're gonna need some hooks. We're gonna need some reasons to stick around. You know, we're used to living in between Avengers films. Like I said, so we're gonna need a reason to stick around and see what's coming next. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm gonna make the out of the box prediction that. Damn, what's in Spider-Man's lore? You gotta do Osborne. Osborne, Osborne, like, I feel like that's, that's right up there. I, I like, again, that they haven't, they didn't go straight to him. I, I get the, um, the temptation. Same way you would wanna go straight to Joker for Batman, you know, that, that's yep. how these things work. But, um, it's, it's gonna be cool to see him think he has it and then realize that he kind of doesn't that when push comes to shove he kind of in it over his own head especially with somebody that has way more tech and is a way more malice uh malicious than he is because some of these other guys ain't as uh much that's really even vulture like vulture wasn't trying to kill nobody no i thought that, that was a fun dynamic the way they used uh vulture you know he wasn't trying to kill him he was just a man trying to make money for his daughter a product of society today and that ultimately ends with him, Peter trying to save him, like Peter not letting him just straight up die. Yep. So, you know, we have that there. From obviously what's going to be a hit to one of the most 
curious, like one of the most curious production, uh, you know, uh, films in production right now. New Mutants, August second, uh, from Fox. Five young mutants just discovered their abilities while held in a secret facility against their will, and they fight to escape their past sins and save themselves. The reason why I say it's so curious is I remember seeing this trailer two years ago. I'm still not convinced that this movie's ever gonna come out. Um, I thought it was interesting because I think you said something about a post credit stinger um, for one of the prior movies. I think we're talking about Infinity War or something like that, where you're like, literally just anything would, would work. Um, this film has an asterisk where it says, Antonio Banderas has been cast as, as an undisclosed villain in this film to appear in a post credit scene. I just found that out. <laughs> yeah, and then it says this scene was changed in reshoots from a version where John Hamm portrayed Mr. Sinister. Oh wow, we're gonna get an Antonio Banderas Mr. Sinister. <laughs> I mean, you think that's what you think they're just gonna slide him over? I think that that's what was supposed to happen. Um, I think that any plans that they had for their X Men universe have been thrown out the window. That's why I think it's been so hard for New Mutants to get a date. You know, that movie's done. You that movie's done. You think it's the villain that's that's tripping it? No. Up? No, I think it's the the uh, the legal situation with Disney and Fox. Um, you know, like yeah. they the original plan was to do all these different genre X films. You know, you were gonna get X Force, you were gonna get New Mutants, you were gonna get the regular X Men movies. It was gonna be all this wild stuff, but that's all gone now because Marvel's in, Marvel's gonna be in charge. So I really feel I feel really bad for the people that got into New Mutants and for the people that were cast in the first class X-Men, like especially being a Game of Thrones fan, I feel more bad for like Macy Williams and yeah. uh, <laughs> Jean no, Grey because they were like, I'm sure they came out of that like, man, we just finished this franchise, right? We need to get into something else. We need to keep our money flow going. Oh, Let's oh, oh, do oh, another oh, franchise. Off the topic for a quick second, who do you think is the most um, successful uh, actor post-Game of Thrones? Not post-Game of Thrones, but I guess, you know, out of Game of Thrones. Uh well because like they're all they're all like really they're all still kind of stuck right yeah but I know Dinklage was uh Eitri in uh, Infinity War and we had Captain <laughs> Phasma in Star Wars was um Gwendolyn yes Gwendolyn. they're all like they're all like taking baby steps right now right I would have yeah. thought that Kit Harrington would have been the guy right but um I don't see it anymore you know well, I don't know and if you had to MCU cast Kit Harrington who does he play. Oh wow! Because uh, he's such like I see him as just Jon Snow, right? So like <laughs> right. anything, anything that I could cast him as would be like Jon Snow esque. Yeah, you know, yeah. A, a, shade, you know? a shade away from Jon Snow. Yeah, you know, I feel like I still need to see his range. Right. Um. People, because people were trying to uh, peg him for Logan. Oh, you know what? He has the look. He has to look, but again, I need to see his range. Like, I don't know. Can he play Logan? Yeah. You know? Can, Does he have can he can he rise from water screaming at the top of his lungs? Yeah. <laughs> as, as, as I know, that is a prerequisite for this role. But there's you like have a to be able to stand up and scream as loud as you can. The, but in all seriousness, there's a gruffness to Wolverine, to Logan, right? There's a rough yeah. grittiness to him. That just has to like I've never seen from Kit Harrington before. Like he does brooding well. To you be know? fair, though, I don't know if Hugh Jackman always had that. No, he didn't. No, he absolutely didn't. But they um, I again, he wasn't the same size or anything. Had I been <laughs> right, they were like, uh, you don't match. But I guess you got the job. But who's ever going to fact check this shit? They kind of just a square block into a triangle hole. You know, that's it. But so I mean, uh, but 
this was in the beginning of superhero films. You know, people people were more open. Like nowadays, they have expectations. Exactly. So I don't know. Like I can see. Like I was like I was a big Tom Hardy could do Wolverine, but now he's Venom, and I think he's stuck there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like it or not. Post Game of Thrones, I think the girls are gonna do the best. They're young, they're pretty, yeah. they're exactly what Hollywood is looking for. I think that they got screwed in the X Men situation. Yeah, but I think that they're gonna come out of this just fine. They're still very young, unless they decide that the acting is done for them because they're disgruntled that they're disheartened after this. I think that they still have a they still have um they still have a very very big future ahead of them. But yeah, honestly, this is just the second film for Sophie Turner in um, Dark Phoenix. Am I right? Right. Absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, but um, of all the people that were in Game of Thrones to come out of it with a shiny new coat on, it would be Jason Momoa, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. That Dothraki, yeah. uh, you know, warrior. He, he now, yeah, he actually headed his own film. Yes, that's, yep. That's that's big. Yeah, because even um, Amelia Clark hasn't yet. Not she's yet. She's in Solo. Oh, man. You know what? She, there's a curse around her because every time she's in a franchise, it dies. Oh, no. She's in, uh, she, was in, uh, she was in the Terminator reboot, too. Uh, no, that, that's no bueno. You got to keep her away from some of these movies. Um, are, you familiar, are you familiar with the New Mutants? Magic, Wolfsbane, Cannonball, Sunspot? I'm not familiar with this version that they're like a horror movie that they're doing. Oh, yeah. That was when it was uh, another brick in the wall, I think, the, the song. Because they... It, We've gotten to this point with trailers that all you have to do is play like a, a slow children's choir version of <laughs> some old song. <laughs> and we'll be like, which is crazy because uh, have you seen the trailer for uh, Jordan Peele's next horror film? Us? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was like, how did they make I Got Five on it work <laughs> as a horror film trailer? But you did. Completely, completely made it work to the point where the world was like, Whoa! Like, you know? Yeah, he does have five on it. He definitely, <laughs> definitely does. In the trailer, where the little boy's like, "What does this mean?" and the girl's like, "It's about drugs." <laughs> <laughs> I love that the father's like, "It's not about drugs." He's like, "Yes, it totally is about drugs. <laughs> it's completely about drugs." Um, yeah, but yeah, so it was. I think another brick in the wall was for the trailer. But I saw the movie. Thought, wow, what a new cool take. This is this is fancy, and then nothing. It just dropped off the face of the earth. And again, reshoots and Marvel is doing the strategy behind when it's being released. So I do think that there's a method to the madness as to, um, you know, uh, um, Endgame in April, Phoenix in June, Spider-Man in July, New Mutants in August. Well, more than more than anything, you want to separate them so they don't compete with each other. Yeah, you don't want to uh, because when we, I went to go see Infinity War, Black Panther was still out. Yep, yep, but, but but that was um that was more like they were just surprised at how much money it was making, yeah, so they were like, we'll just, eh, keep, it, we'll just keep it just, here, <laughs> just leave it there for now. But what's cool about that is people who went to go see Infinity War, um, when those showings uh would sell out, they would go, well, screw it, I'll just go see the other Marvel movie. <laughs> I think that that um Black Panther be well. First of all, nobody saw the success of Black Panther coming, right? Nope. Nobody did, right? Nope. So. Nope. The, the, some of one of the biggest things of Infinity War is like watching the Black Panther die. Like, wait a minute, I just freaking saw like I just freaking saw Black Panther maybe yesterday yeah. in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> Come exactly. over here. Yep. I'm thinking but, he's gonna get a new franchise, but he's dead. But <laughs> what a great like just to geek out for a minute. 
the the fact that that movie did so well made the appearances of Black Panther and Wakanda as a whole mean so much more. You see Umbaku, and you're like, I know that guy. You see, you know, Shiri, you're like, I know her. I know them. Yeah, the Border Tribe. I know those guys. Like, you know the universe. They did such a good job informing you on all things Wakanda that when you see that name pop up, when you hear the theme in Infinity War, you're like, oh, yeah, I yes. got this. No, that was that was absolutely great. The way that well, that them not knowing while they were making Infinity War that Black Panther would be such a success made it so that everything was balanced out perfectly. Because I got a feeling that had they known how successful it was, they would have tried to shoehorn him into more things. He probably would have been in space. <laughs> yeah, they would have found a way around it, um, as they do, because it's up to these studios to draw out stories from some of these characters, even if there is no story to tell. Uh, nothing is a bigger example than of that than the Joker film that will be coming out by Warner Brothers on October 4th. Why are they doing another Joker film? You know now, what? I, I definitely was on that boat. You know, when they announced this, I'm like, what? What are you doing? You know, you've got a Batman-less Joker film, right? Yeah. What are you thinking? What is the idea behind this? And then slowly trickling out, you get the talent. Like, you get the director. And then you get the guy playing Joker. And Even then you the get cast, right? Robert De Niro, Zazie Beats. Yeah, it's oh, like wow. it's, okay, now you intrigue me. I'm still not too sold on the idea of a solo Joker movie, but this is gonna be a great freaking movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, just off the rip of just being a good movie. Um right now all we have is that it takes place in nineteen eighty one. Uh, and it's about a failed stand-up comedian disregarded by society who turns to a life of crime and chaos in Gotham City. Arthur Fleck, a struggling comedian, um, returns to Gotham to take care of his sick mother, Penny. Upon Fleck's arrival to Gotham, he will discover the city on the edge of being completely ruined. Um, and then, you know, we got Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck, a failed stand-up comedian disregarded by society. I like to say that. Who is driven insane and becomes a psychopathic anarchist mastermind. Uh, Phoenix is the seventh actor to play Joker in a theatrical film. Prior to this casting, Leo DiCaprio had been considered. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. That was one of the things that made me go, no! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Phoenix had been interested in doing a low-budget character study of a comic book character, and his agent recommended that he set up a meeting with WB to discuss it, and he ultimately declined. Uh, later, he became interested when the po- product was announced, when the project was announced, like, oh, yeah, if Leo ain't doing it, I'll do it. But <laughs> but um uh yeah he says that um it feels unique it feels like it's in its own world and that might be one of the things that scares people the most um I love Joaquin Phoenix I think he plays unhinged very well I've said that several times on this podcast we can laugh now at the idea that he's playing uh, Arthur Fleck aka a Fleck a Fleck <laughs> I was like no they didn't <laughs> <laughs> a Fleck. Um, stand-up media, a failed stand-up comedian disregarded by society screams killing joke to me. Am I am I wrong to have my spider senses tingling? And you know, when they started talking about how this would be a gritty character study and everything, I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe it was a better idea to keep uh, Batman separated from this. But then they went and put uh, Thomas Wayne in yeah. as part of uh, as part of the origin. And I'm like, come on, man! <laughs> you know, very this odd. is very odd. Like, now we have to see Joker coexist with a baby Bruce Wayne. This didn't have to be that way. I you know? even casted Bruce Wayne, and his uh, character description was something like, he will become long, uh, you know, long-time enemies of the Joker. 
Oh, like, did is that was that in the cast description? Yeah. So now we're acknowledging that the Batman's going to exist in the future, but the Joker exists now. Okay, that's Which a mistake. Which is weird. Again, very, very weird. And if you haven't been even closely in the same age, I would still find that off. Because when you start playing with the whole Batman, you know, left when he was young to go train. And, uh, it, it's, it's sticky. It's, 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 it's like, okay, I'm sold on the idea of Joaquin Phoenix doing a Joker like on its own, its origin and an origin story without the Batman. Like, okay, I'm sold on that. But the idea of integrating Thomas and Bruce and and maybe their deaths, you know, like, yeah, right. I'm like, oh, oh my god, man. he better not kill them at the end of this. Okay, I, like, I, <laughs> yeah, you know, like they're gonna. It turns out this is a freaking prequel to the 1989 Batman movie the or something. Only, so- the only way I dig it is if he does the pale moonlight <laughs> line. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you got it. You got it for me. Um, like, yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm. See, that's the thing. Like, I'm conflicted. Like, I'm almost 100 percent certain this is going to be a great film, right? But the, the the comic fan in me gets bothered when source material gets messed around with like that. Speaking and of I, which, how do you feel about this description of Mr. Thomas Wayne, a billionaire philanthropist running for mayor of Gotham? Unlike the source material, he plays a role in the Joker's origins and is less sympathetic than traditional incarnations. You see, <laughs> no, okay, okay, okay. I've seen different stories. Like even um, I was talking with GT uh, recently about how in the Telltale Batman game they had implied that the Waynes might have been in bed with the Falcons. Ah, and I'm know. like, you know, that does that's not too, you know, people, people. It wouldn't be too far fetched to imagine that in their philanthropy, they might have had to bargain with the city's dirty and down low to yeah. get things done or or I even understand. or even like the racketeering parts of it right where it's like i'll pay you just don't mess with this or just don't mess with exactly. that no, i can understand that but the way this sounds and then as evidenced by the original casting of alec baldwin as uh thomas wayne before he balked for whatever reason and honestly i'm very interested in hearing about why that happened Wait, um, i think i know where you're going with this but i would like you to continue <laughs> They're gonna play him like they're gonna play Thomas Wayne like a Trump. Yeah, that's what, that's what I I didn't realize it until now until you connected those dots. But that's probably what they're gonna do, and, and that makes Phoenix the disenfranchised uh, civilian, right? Who's just in the middle yeah. of all this all this hypocritical uh, politics, and he's going to be the hero of this. How does that How does that make you feel? How does that? I image? feel like. Making the Joker a sympathetic character is necessary for the film to work. I understand that. But there are so many other characters in Batman and Gotham lore that you could have put in that same position. That's true. Look at Mayor, look at uh, Mayor Loeb, um, Commissioner Loeb, right? Yeah. You could have used him. Well, you know, <laughs> even, even with the Joker, you said the whole Joker thing about the, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's key to, to sympathize with him and stuff. What I liked about Killing Joke is right when you are sympathizing with him at the most, He's also, at the same time, doing very terrible things to Commissioner Gordon and to Barbara Gordon. And at one point, when you're, when you're sympathizing him because you've heard his entire story, he comes out and says, oh, but that might not be the story. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things about the Joker, that we don't exactly know who he is. Like, you think you do, but, but you really don't. But, but, so, will, but will this be the unicorn? Will this be the de facto Joker origin? Will this be what Heart of Ice was for... Uh, uh, I was gonna say for Sub Zero, <laughs> for Mister Freeze. Like, is is this gonna be what everyone points to as? Oh no, yeah, that's how Joker started. 
if it's that good, you'll see it integrated into comics. Uh, you'll see it. Uh, you'll 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 see uh, you'll see cartoons do it. If it's that good, it will become that. Yeah. But um, like I said, I'm a little worried th- with the placement of some already established, well-known characters. Like that might put a little damper on what might be a great film. They don't understand. Like in the, they should understand by now. Like in the comic world, the comic fans are the ones who write these are these articles that dictate whether people are going to enjoy it. Because they, like, they trust it. Like People read all these websites and they're like, man, if these guys don't like it, why would I like it? Right. These guys so, are the ones already in the bag for it. They're the ones who are... They're the, they're the, they're the forefront. You know? Like When yeah. you start doing things like that, these guys start feeling weird. And even if you got a good movie, it might not make as much money as you wanted it to because you made one slight weird decision like turning Thomas Wayne into Donald Trump. Right. Whoops. <laughs> you know? supposed to do that? It's like, whoops. And you already, I, had I, a, you already had a Donald Trump with Max, with Max Shrek, remember? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he always wore gloves and he was like, hey, oh, hey. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. I'm, but like I said, I'm still very, very intrigued and excited for it because um, where I was intrigued, they had released that small, small clip. Which kind of told you what the tone of the film would be, right. with uh, it was like a little teaser, like, um, and I was like, wow, you know, that looks almost exactly like I would want it to. Uh, and then you know, I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but like little fuck, little leaks started coming out with uh, with uh, Joker in his costume already, and you got to get see little scenes that were being shot in the city, yeah. and I'm like, uh, you know, studios might be putting this out there to give the people a feel, so that they want to see it. So, um. I'm intrigued. I hope that it. I hope that it turns out well because I'm. Ex- I'm a little excited for it. Yeah, I completely forgot about the humongous power of the iconography of the Joker. So because again, I was against this. Like not not against it. Like oh, they should never make. But just like I don't think you guys are thinking this through. And I know you guys see the money behind it. Same way with Suicide Squad. Like I know you guys seen the money behind it. If it looks pretty, that's all you guys need. But then watching him in the face paint, man. Like I said, that iconography, that face paint, that suit, you know, it, it pulls at nostalgia triggers <laughs> of, you know, our jokers of the past. And all of a sudden, I'm there. All of a sudden, I'm right. Yeah, which is, know, uh, that can be a good thing or that can be a bad thing. I think we talked about this before where I once read a study about how people get these mental maps of these characters. And if they, and, and if you're tugging at their nostalgia strings, but some things aren't matching what they know. It's going to attack their mental maps, and it's going to make them feel. Um, it's going to make them feel a certain way about the movie. They might not look at it the way that you want them to. Right, exactly. But hopefully, this is the Joker movie that people are asking for because, to my knowledge, it's the last one on the slate to come out in two thousand and nineteen. Do you have a it out is. of the box prediction for the Joker movie? Batman Stinger at the end. Bruce, I mean, uh, Affleck Batman Stinger. Oh, you know what? When it comes to Affleck, who knows it's these days, right? He's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. I doubt it'll be him. Right. But in the way that Titans did a Batman without exactly casting Batman. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And speaking of Batman, on its final season, on its final legs, coming out January 3rd, Gotham <laughs> Season 5. Uh I- it's taking straight from the No Man's Land arc, which seems to be a fan favorite. What's going on with this whole No Man's Land? They I don't know if it's a fan no favorite Land, right? or it's a. It's, I don't know if it's a fan favorite or if it's a studio favorite. A you studio know, favorite. <laughs> they love blowing up bridges in Gotham for some reason. They, they love the idea of a Gotham 
that is destroyed and demolished and that needs Batman to save it. Which is, uh, I don't know that that's necessary anymore. But I know that got, like, okay, the show is called Gotham. So in this, in this instance, I understand why you would do No Man's Land. Because Gotham itself was a very big part of that story. And if the show is right. called the Gotham... Way, the same way they did a... Uh, court of owls and stuff like that affects the city more yeah than it does namely batman or anything like that yeah so I, I can understand that i mean me personally i got i don't know if i've mentioned this on the podcast before but i was not the biggest fan of these uh smallville gotham type shows they give me superhero blue balls yeah you know because right, you're you're like, expecting certain things especially I'm expect- if you know the timeline of these things yeah, so it's like it made me feel weird. But um, so apparently we're gonna be getting Batman at the end of this, right? I don't know how old is this kid now. Uh, he's like fourteen. I saw a scene of him standing next to Commissioner Gordon on the roof already, and I was just like, "So when you officially start doing this, Gordon knows who you are, right? Like there, there can't be any <laughs> any kind of amb- ambiguity because you guys have been doing this, and maybe that's a maybe that's a Batman that they're telling in this in this instance. Maybe they're telling the story of a Batman that's not." not known you know it's not, not... I, I can definitely see it's already so like so wildly different like all these i said it before like all these villains have already existed been defeated they're established right so like by the time the kid becomes batman who's left who's he fighting well you saw so, bane, like, didn't you yeah <laughs> How you feel about that bane uh, that bane design no, I feel no i feel i feel no about it but again i'm not i'm not the biggest um I might not be the person to ask about it. I'm, a, I'm a, one of the biggest Bat fans I know, but that's 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 uh, because I love his his lore, you know. And yeah. Gotham really twists that up, and that really twists me up inside. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I definitely get it. How excited are you for the return of Young Justice season two? Oh Outsiders. My gosh, they just released like three minutes of the first episode. Uh huh. I form? are we back to form? I, we are back to form, and on top of that, we are pulling from recent comics, which is great. Awesome! Superman is in his rebirth, rebirth costume. We've got, we've got, we've got some like it started off really wholesome, and it was like, well, Robin has to take, uh, Nightwing has to take a break because while he's gone, and, and we're the ones who started it. I need this two-year time jump. We're freaking experimenting on little girls and killing them. Oh uh, yeah, in Markovia, right? They're doing all kinds of like human trafficking and stuff. Uh, yes, they. Uh, it says um, the team faces a, the, its greatest challenge yet as it takes on metahuman trafficking and the terrifying threat it creates for a society caught in the crossfires of genetics arms race spanning across the globe in the galaxy. And they meet the superhero team known as the Outsiders. That's great because, like, <laughs> I'm so excited because, like, they would. They, they, okay, so it looks like we're getting a change of tone. Like young justice was never scared to be a little darker than the normal Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. I saw that with Manta. <laughs> yeah. Right. So now that they're on their own net and their own streaming service, they don't have to appeal to any like high up cartoon network execs, right? You can do what you want. You saw in the first three minutes, they killed a little 14 year old girl by accident. You had black lightning. You, 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 he, 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 Attack! He was attacked by this little girl who was out of control. Oh, uh, who was under control by uh, wh- who was it? Um, what I forgot their freaking names. The little tiny aliens from uh from uh from season two of Young Justice. The uh ah frick. Which one? Which one? If you watch, if you watch Young Justice and you're listening to this now, you know exactly what I'm They're talking about. At you. But at you from the top of the lung. <laughs> yeah. 
So like we we it's obvious that they're going to be taking a lot darker for a, a much darker turn with this season of Young Justice. So I'm didn't, like didn't they do exactly. a deeper dive on um on uh, uh Jaime? Didn't they like focus like on where that Yeah, they did comes the, from and all that and all this, that. This like, Garib's a big part of season 2. I am kind of happy to move away from that. Like I'm more I'm more excited to see freaking Dark Side and Apocalypse this big giant story they were teasing for two seasons that we never got conclusion for like i'm happy to see that but i'm also happy to see if we're gonna be going beyond that or if they just brought young justice back to tie up loose ends i mean um at the same time they've got this new animated harley quinn show yeah right? so i'm wondering if like if this is if, if dc universe is gonna have their uh they're gonna have like a little thing like is Harley gonna be part of the Young Justice universe? Because her her show is supposed to be like completely adult oriented, curses, uh, like gore, like Daria esque kind of, kind of, yeah, a little bit, especially with uh, Poison Ivy's uh, characterization or what it looked like from the tease. Anyway, right. I I'm fairly certain that we're gonna get we're finally gonna get that uh, Poison Ivy Harley Quinn on screen relationship that everybody wanted to. How do you you know it? The, a couple years ago, we had a, a end of love affair with the man in the sky. But how do you feel about the end of the love affair for a man named Wallace West? Just just a year and a half, I guess now of of, of Wally and just the 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 whipping boy right now of DC Comics. I don't understand. Okay, so I guess. You would have to start from the beginning when it comes to like telling what the story of Wally West and why he's being treated this way this year, right? right? You know, uh, two years ago, Jeff Johns took uh, the creative reins at DC Comics and decided that he would do the rebirth reboot, right? Not reboot, a soft reboot, reintegrating all the old things and continuity that people loved, but keeping the new, uh, but keeping a bunch of the new things that worked, yeah. right? So the reintroduction of the original Wally West was one of the one of the main metaphorical things. Like, look, this is optimism. This is hope. Wally represents all of that, and this is what we're putting back into comics. Man, you right? know, I I still get goosebumps with the whole Wally. How could I ever I forget about you? Like that I whole still, that whole thing right there. I loved amazing, it, man. Amazing. I loved it. I was so excited for the future of DC Comics. Fast forward two years. And uh, Batman v Superman made just under a billion dollars, which wasn't good enough for a studio execs. So they shook things up. They gave Jeff Johns. I don't know if he left yeah, or right. <laughs> or if he got kicked. I can believe either one because when you work really hard on something and then you get and they chop it up on you, you don't want to work so hard anymore. You want to go do your own thing. But he was he was compensated pretty well. You know, he's got his own production studio now. Right? Yeah, yeah, they let him do his own thing now. He's got his own imprint when it comes to comics. Right? Yeah, the so big story on the way. He has that he has that three Joker story that which I'm Jokers. I'm assuming we're gonna get next year. Yep, three jokers coming up, and then uh the entire imprint is supposed to be a bunch of loosely interconnected stories that take place from the year nineteen twenty to the year twenty twenty, right? Oh, wow. So so that that that's his own thing. And I'm worried that since this is happening that now that Dan DiDio and Jim Lee are back in charge at regular of the regular continuity, that they've decided to throw away all of what Jeff Johns was working towards to go take a step backwards. To make, to what some, like make a statement like, a, yeah, this was cute, but this isn't us. But this isn't what we want to do. Right. You know, immediately <laughs> they killed Wally. Yeah. You know, yeah. so 
I'm like, Jesus. First, so uh, first they they put him through the hell of realizing that he had an entire family that was lost to the speed force. Remember that? They they they, they put him on. He realized that it was all true. They told him he couldn't save them. He had to deal with that. Then the guy sadly tries to check into some rehab to just figure out what the hell's going on with the world. And seemingly he's killed. Yeah. In a mass shooting at a therapy trauma at a trauma center. Okay, where's the optimism? Exactly. No, <laughs> nothing's being rebirthed in that in that story in particular. I, no. I, I totally understand. Like, okay, I absolutely one hundred percent. I'm not one of those people that's like, keep your politics out of my comics because politics have been a part of comics since the very beginning. Yep. Okay, so I, I understand uh, bringing these type of real life situations into comics. I get it. Right. But there's usually, like, still a sense of optimism behind it. Like, okay, these things happen, but we can move forward. We can we can adapt, rebuild, and move on, right? <laughs> it, right. Doesn't, it doesn't seem that way at all. Mm-hmm. It's really early in the story, right? So we're only on, what, the fourth issue? I don't want to seem like one of those guys. But, you know, I've read solicitations going forward, and it really seems like we're just going to get darker and darker and darker. Yeah, and that was to leave his face down. Ass up, right? Because <laughs> we see, we saw that picture that got pulled from the from the solicits. Or, we were like, "What is she doing? Why is she?" Oh, yeah, know, in, so, in there was post. a least cover, a least cover of issue seven of Heroes in Crisis that was like a complete, total step backwards. And when it comes to comic book storytelling, where it's like the classic female superhero ass in the air, uh, wild so, dying, she's dying. But she, <laughs> But for some reason, she's ultra super seductive and sexy for no reason. And Tom King was like, you know, you're taking it a step too far. Uh, I'm not using that. I'm not going to um, I, I hope I die as sexy as Poison Ivy dies. I absolutely hope I die as sexy as that. If they're going <laughs> to find my... If they're going to find my body in that position, I want them to be like, that could have been a magazine cover. You're like, look at that kid. He really knew how to live. <laughs> this... Unfortunately, while he was a victim of this step backwards, yeah. and it seems that it reverberated through everything. Like he's gone from the TV show. Yeah, uh, he and Lonsdale uh, exited out of the show. He was even trying to do like some part time stuff on Legends, and they just took him out of that as well. Like he's um, he's kind of uh, from that. And then well, they seem to be they seem to be mimicking this on Young Justice. Yo, Young Justice, they died. They kind of had Wally die in the way that uh, Barry died during the Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, but. Uh, if they're gonna follow that same story arc, we should be able to pull him out of the Speed Force sooner before, sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, I mean, but then uh, he's gonna die again, right? If we follow this whole thing, <laughs> if we follow this whole thing to the eventualities, <laughs> but he's, um, he's gonna die. Again. I'm fairly certain that before this current season of Young Justice is up, we'll see the original cast back together in their. Uh, in their in their best form, but thankfully Jeff Johns is in charge of uh, a lot of the things that not 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 the DC Universe streaming service itself, mm-hmm. but he's one of the he's one of the driving creative forces over there right now. So I'm really that's what keeps me optimistic about all this stuff. Like that guy knows his shit, you yeah, know he's definitely. he's one of us, right? He's a big fanboy, but he's. He cares. he cares about these characters as much as we do. So I always trust his creative story process. His his creative process. When the original Titans images came out and those costumes were out there looking like a little weird and everyone's like, this looks like garbage. The thing that kept me hooked was like, Jeff Johns is in charge. I trust this man. Yeah, he won't, he won't let it. He won't let the ship go down. Let the ship go down. And of course, I mean, um, some people were happy with the season finale because it didn't feel like a finale, but the show ended up being so much better than anyone ever expected it would have been. That's true. Yeah. 
Is that just I, you need people who care? I mean, that Kevin Feige shows that you know. You just yeah, need yeah, people, quality exactly. People who care, yeah. You need people who care so that these things, these stories can can uh, prosper, can flourish. If people don't care about these characters and they only care about the money, you get a situation like DC Cinematic Universe. Yeah. But what about characters that we don't know about caring about too much lately? We have season one of Deadly Class from Image Comics dropping on Sci-Fi on January uh, 16th. The synopsis for the comic goes, it's eighteen, it's 1987. Marcus Lopez hates school. His grade sucks. He has no money. The jocks are running... Are, oh, sorry, are hassling his friends. He can't focus in class thanks to his mind constantly drifting to the stunning girl in the front row. But the jocks are the children of Joseph Stalin's top assassin. The teachers are members of an ancient league of assassins. The class he's failing is Dismemberment 101 and his crush, a member of the most notorious crime syndicate in Japan, has a double-digit body count. Welcome to the most brutal high school on earth, where the world's top crime families send the next generation of assassins to be trained murder murder is an art killing is a craft at king's dominion high school for the deadly arts the dagger in your back isn't always metaphorical nor is your fellow classmates poison i love it um hogwarts for assassins right yeah yeah i've 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 been hearing good things about rick remender's deadly class over at Image Comics for a long time now. I blame myself because I own these books. I've been collecting it, but I haven't read it. You right, know? Right, right, right. Well, maybe, maybe we got to do a Deadly Class episode. One we days. absolutely, we absolutely should. Um, but at the same time, some t- like I, we read so many comics and so many of our stories are being adapted nowadays that I kind of like to go into things with a little bit of surprise. You're right. Like, no, you're like, right I, I, I like not being able to predict where things are going. So, I mean, mate, I would love, though, to do a Deadly Class episode of... Uh, I think, I think Wong's get- on this. The guy who plays... Uh, Benedict Wong, <laughs> I think is his name. Really? Uh, yeah, I think he's one of the uh, instructors in this, in this uh, show. Um, sci-fi did a really, really good job with Grant Morrison's Happy. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that because it's on Netflix now. It is, it is, and if you haven't seen it, go check it out. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how you guys feel about Grant Morrison. He's one no, of the great. I, like, I like Grant Morrison all time, but whatever, you know. No, um, I, I but- like his specific style of. Um, I think that everyone has their own flair, but I don't. I don't have anyone really particularly on a pedestal. I just think that um, I like I like how they because I feel like all these guys, some of the most prolific people that you can think of, can all look at the same picture and give you a different story from it. That's what I love about comics. Mm-hmm. I love that about comics that all these people can write the same character, but they can see him a different way. Yeah, but real they can... quick, like when I read the Danny Cates uh, uh, Venom, and I'm like, this guy added 500 years to the mythology of symbiotes, and like no one ever tried like no one ever like was like oh no they really come from this and this really like it it goes to show that all it needs is a new creative uh person on it to be like oh but this avenue we've never explored why not and then everyone's like uh uh-huh. and they go, well then that's what we're gonna do there's a great balance that can be found when you were doing this relay race type storytelling right when you pass the baton over to the next person they can they 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 can either completely disregard what you've done and do their own thing sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't or they can build off of what you've done and uh, complete and, and continue to 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 expand upon what already exists. Yeah. So like it, there's a great balance that can be found. Some people do it better than others, but that's one thing I love about comics. Everyone sees it, everyone can see the same picture a different way. Yep, and there's never the definitive beginning or definitive ending of any of these characters. Nope. You know? It's just a, it's our version of Greek mythology, right? Oh, I 
love it. I love it so much. Um, what do you know about Umbrella Academy? I know that is a Gerard Way comic from back in the day. For not back in the day, for like not so long ago. It was like 2012, uh-huh. 2011. Gerard Way, aka My Romance Romance. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. That, um, I, think, I think that's worth saying, right? I think that's worth mentioning. My man decided he I wanted have, to comic. You know, he's good at it though. He's uh, he's done uh, he's done some Marvel work. He's yeah, done some. He said he was just recently in he charge was a of young DC. animal, wasn't he? Yeah, it was uh, Doom Patrol and everything. His young animal imprint. He had his own imprint of stories. Um, it didn't exactly work out the way they expected it to, so they put the kibosh on it. Right. But that's not that. Don't don't hold that against uh, Gerard Way's creative storytelling process. You know, he's good at what he does. He's pretty good at writing comics. Yeah. Um, Umbrella Academy is one of the comics that he was really good at writing. It came out. A lot of people praised this story. So it's a bit of a task to 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 uh, adapt it over to live action nowadays. But let's see. I'm uh, it's also out of the way of the big, bigger companies. You know. Yeah, you're not competing. So that's another thing that's great. Like some of the people that are gonna watch this and Deadly Class and even Happy, they're not even they don't even know that it's based off a comic book. Yeah, you but it's the same way like that like Deadly Class and Happy, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. You know how many people heard our review for Vendetta Cast and were like, "That's a comic book movie." <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what that is. And, you know, uh, we're all, I uh, think, growing from that. But, yeah, Gerard Way, you know, decided to try his hand in comics, comes out with this um, uh, Umbrella Academy. And the thing is, I wanted to do just a short strip on this. But the more I kept reading, the more, like, interesting things I found. So this is what I have for the uh, synopsis. On the same day in 1989, the year I was born, uh, 43 infants are inexplicably born to random, unconnected women who show no signs of pregnancy. So <laughs> that's out of control. Seven are adopted by Sir Reginald Hargreaves, a billionaire industrialist who creates the Umbrella Academy and prepares his children to save the world. But not everything went according to plan. In their teenage years, the family fractured and the team disbanded. Now six surviving 30-something members reunite on the news of Hargreaves' passing. Luther, Diego, Allison, Claus, Vanya, and number five work together to solve a mystery surrounding their father's death. But the estranged family once again begins to come apart due to their divergent personalities and abilities, not to mention the imminent threat of global apocalypse. But that wasn't even, that wasn't even it that got me. Ellen Look Page at the is in this, even though that's amazing, right? Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> Ellen Page is in this as the white violin, uh, a violinist with no superpowers, but an expert at the violin. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, Tom Hopper is Luther Hargreaves slash bass boy, an, aspir- an aspiring astronaut with super strength whose body is that of a Martian ape. Oh man, right. that's that sounds wild. Uh, um, Robert Sheenan as Claus Hargreaves. I guess he's the son of Luther. Uh, he he's called the Seance, a slacker with a with telekinesis and the ability to communicate with the dead. I don't know if you want to give slackers telekinesis, but, <laughs> but um, uh, Emmy Raver Lampman as Allison Hargreaves, the rumor. A tomboy with the ability to manipulate realities by lying. You I feel just, like I've read a goosebumps story with that. You just lie. <laughs> yeah. And, and it changes. I think that's pretty cool. Uh Diego Hargreaves is played by David Constaneta. Uh he plays also uh, David Hargreaves, aka the Kraken, 
a rebellious troublemaker with enhanced breath holding and gifted knife throwing techniques. Very particular. Interesting. Uh, yeah, right? Uh, Aiden Gallagher as number five slash the boy, an unnamed teenager who can time travel at the cost of aging quickly while maintaining his regular appearance. He's totally dead. Yeah, he's gone. Um, <laughs> now we have this other character called Chacha, a neo-Nazi criminal. Unlike this comics that the um the character is female, that character is being played by Mary J. Blige. <laughs> Don't need no hateration. <laughs> there's no hateration, holleration going on here. But yeah, um, there's all kinds of there's um the monocle, an alien masquerading as a human billionaire industrialist. Okay. Pogo, a champion, a chimpanzee, and Reginald's closest assistant. <laughs> so this Umbrella Academy thing seems incredibly interesting. And this if seems on, if it's on Netflix, I'm one hangover away from binging the whole thing. Of course, I'm worried that they'll kill it when they're no, <laughs> they'll oh, kill yeah, it. Right. Once yeah, I know you're right. <laughs> but well, yeah, I'm actually really interested in this, and I'm I'm, I'm um uh admittedly. This is the I'm finding out all of this that George is saying as he says it. You know, I've I know of its existence. I know of Umbrella Academy. I know who made it, and I know that it is highly regarded. But I've never actually looked into it. And hearing about it for the first time right now, I'm pretty interested. Right? Um, it's it's odd because the 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 main two, the big two, are are um a comfort space for a lot of people. You know, we yep. know these stories. They just get retold over and over again, and and we get that. But it, it takes some time, somebody, you know, swinging for the fences and thinking outside the box to create these other characters that then become the household names we know. But that's why uh, that's why I'm a big fan of a lot of the image comic stories that come out by by big time creators from the big two, because then you really get to see them flex their creative muscles. They don't have to play inside of the borders that already exist anymore. You know, they like, can like do happy, like you were saying with happy. Yeah, exactly. You can do whatever you want and not get to see what you can really do. You know, did, I love, did Grant I love Morrison that. write for Marvel? Yeah, he did, but um, he, he's got a bad relationship with him. Oh. Okay, so Grant Morrison did a legendary run on New X Men. Um, oh, yes, he did. That's that's the book. Yep. Yes. Yeah, he Grant did. Morrison's he's done. Actually. He's done other stuff. Like he did Fantastic Four for a little bit, but it was New X Men that was uh, that was the cause of this current bad blood between him and Marvel, where like he did a lot of crazy things that people loved, though. You know, people were like, "Wow, this is wild." But then some of his ideas, uh, editorial will come down on. Yeah. Like, um, there was this idea is that for Cassandra uh, Nova. Is that is that what they, Cassandra <laughs> Nova? Is that where they drove the line? Zorn. I don't know. Uh, but um, but like um, one of the the death of Jean Grey was like the only thing that stuck because he killed Jean Grey again on the moon. But right after he left the book, uh, they completely undid almost everything he did in his story, and he's like, dude. You yeah, know, like you, yeah, you just you could have just told me you didn't like any of it. Like you didn't have to wait till I left to then change everything. If that's what you guys are gonna do, anytime I put my time, my work, my effort, like the way okay, Grant Morrison, you have to understand, he's a special type of person, right? He doesn't see comics the same way everyone else does. In his mind, the the world of comics is a living thing that's continuously adapting and changing and sometimes yeah. it will drive you instead of you driving it. I need when that he, man to do my eulogy. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Morrison, I heard him talk about comics with this passion 
uh, of the epicness of mythology, this modern day mythology that he's able to to craft, and the idea that this man, when he when he talks about this creative process, is always this idea that there's always a corner you haven't turned yet. That that all these characters have full fleshed out stories, but if you stay in the uh, box that you think has been created for that character, you will only ever tell those stories. And the That's fact a- that he <laughs> broke the mold and he's he continues to break the mold. I mean, Daddy Batman. Yeah, yeah, of course, you Grant know, Morris. Like, yeah. Daddy Batman, like he did that. He and- turned the entire like his run right. It was a pull wild, crazy Batman dies, travels through time and everything. But the crux, the crux of it, right, was that it was a custody battle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, 100%. it was a Batman custody battle. Hundred <laughs> percent, something more important to Batman than Gotham. Which was the a only shot, thing that was important to the man before then, and he, he does that. Yeah. He even gave him a uh, he even gave him a love uh, another love interest just to show like you, you know this doesn't matter. He's got a kid now. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. bitch like I can't trust. I can't worry about women. Look what happens when I trust women. I got a son to care about. I got a Gotham to care about. Look at that. Every time I trust women, they try to raise my kid as an assassin. This one tried to kill me. <laughs> I need to worry no, about my no son and my holes, Gotham. Alfred, Alfred, no more hoes. No more hoes, Alfred. Gotham over hoes. <laughs> <That's Yeah. it>. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of uh, speaking of Grant Morrison, I guess we should move on to talking about the upcoming Doom Patrol. Yeah, I mean, some people are a little bit lukewarm about this. Some people were um, ecstatic to see them in Titans. Oh uh, my God! If you have okay, I'm not. If you have read Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. You're probably one of those ecstatic people. You're like, let's see what's going to happen. Because there are other incarnations of the Doom Patrol. Other people have written it. Like, we were just talking about Gerard Way had his own version of them recently. But yeah, but look at how maligned, like, they gave it to him, yes. But they gave it to him on an imprint far away from everything else. It's such a weird, like, okay. And, and it's, some people like to refer to it as a better X-Men story, right? Because of the wheelchair? Look, <laughs> you know, it's a wild team of weirdos with powers trying to make their way in a world that doesn't want anything to do with them. Yeah, I also saw that the, like maybe the first couple issues of Doom Patrol said on it, like the world's strangest superheroes, which is a very yeah, Marvel yeah. thing to say. Like, yep. you know, put the little tagline right underneath the title. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess we should get into the synopsis first for the people that don't exactly know what uh, Doom Patrol is going to be about, huh? Thank you guys for that. Um, uh, not that there is too much of one, really. <laughs> well, we saw a lot of these comic, a lot of these characters on the DC universe. Uh, they were on Titans, so we got to see Robot Man, Negative Man, Elasta Woman, because I was getting in trouble for saying Elasta Girl. Uh, <laughs> um, the Chief and Beast Boy was a member of this. But what shocked the world, which came out what about a week ago, is that they are going to be implementing a version of Cyborg. That's wild. And I, I know some people don't like the way it looks. I'm actually a fan. Looks all right. I'm fine with it. I'm fine, I'm with, fine it. with it. I'm absolutely fine with it. Um, The Justice League version of Cyborg was a little over, overly CGI, right? And it was like, it was a little odd. But uh, this is a guy who used to wear a tank top. Yeah. There you go. I, you know, they did, they did great. The, the, that one episode of Titans with the Doom Patrol showed me that they will be able to properly do this. And um, having Beast Boy, first of all, there were some people that, like, I don't know why, but they didn't know that Beast Boy actually, yeah, he was a part of the Doom Patrol. That's there, right. There's he, even a regular OG Teen Titans episode about it, where the Doom Patrol comes back to go get Beast Boy. and like He was, cha- he was Changeling. Yeah. Um, 
But um, putting Cyborg on the team is wild. For me, that's just a way. Uh, for me, they should use this as a way to bring him into the Teen Titans. But um, let's focus on the first season first. I'm excited just to see what they do. They 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 brought Brandon Fraser out of obscurity for this. Yeah, you he know he wasn't trying to do nothing. <laughs> He was trying to do nothing. He didn't want anything to do with Hollywood. I don't know how, but they convinced him. Um, they recast the. Uh, they recast, I think, more than one, more than one of these characters, right? Did they? Yeah, from uh, from the episode of Teen Titans to oh, the yes, actual, yes, yes, yeah, to the actual cast of the spinoffs. Yeah, because now um, one of the characters that was not on the spin on the uh, I guess backdoor introduction was um, Crazy Jane. Yes, and she's all over the marketing for this uh, current. Oh, the f- first season of Doom Patrol. Is that the uh? Was that the chick from Orange Is the New Black? I think so. She looks like it. One of the one of the little uh one of the I forgot her name. I was not the biggest Orange Is the New Black uh, fan, yeah. honestly. If a mom watched it, and I would read <laughs> comics while uh it was on TV. But uh, <laughs> I do recognize her. I think that they put together a great cast for this. I think that of course again, Greg Berlanti, Jeff Johns. You can't go wrong. Yeah. Uh. I'm excited for this, and uh, I'm also excited for uh, the upcoming Harley Quinn. Yes, um, With- it, it 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 could do wonders. It's it's kind of odd because what we actually thought we would be getting dropped this year or next year is the Deadpool animated uh, series by Childish Gambino by uh, Donald Glover. Broke my heart again, <laughs> and then that got canceled. And now we have this Harley cartoon, which I dig, but I feel like that would have served much better as a Deadpool series. It absolutely would have, but um, again, the studios were scared of it. When did they decide they, that Harley was Deadpool? When did that happen? Did I miss the exact day where they were like, <laughs> "Nah, we're just gonna"? We're just gonna I feel like it was uh, it was a bit of a natural progression of that character. She was always the because uh, you know, as you know, she was introduced as on, which was rare, but it happens. She was introduced in the cartoon first. Yeah. That version of Harley Quinn. Is arguably the version of Harley Quinn, right? So everything yeah. now is just an offshoot of that. It's a, it's a, it's a natural progression. I can see. Uh, I don't know I about think, the fourth. I think it's the idea that she was still she, even when doing all the crazy stuff that she did, she knew it was all crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the idea that she she does see the absurdity of this comic book world, and so that makes it easier for her to fourth wall break and be like this is silly isn't it because even at the time she would be like mr j this isn't gonna work <laughs> or you know yeah. you're like she would tell it as it is so i guess that that part of her character still remains yeah uh, i'm also excited i'm even more excited because you know i'm a huge alan moore swamp thing fan this right true. love alan moore swamp thing we have not done an episode about alan moore swamp oh, thing it's jo- coming it's coming <laughs> but um yeah, so we got a Swamp Thing show coming, and according to everything I've heard, we're going to be taking a lot of elements from Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. So I am mega hyped for this. Yeah, like this they... James Wan, right? Yes, it is. Yes, horror it is. Horror aficionado and the horror versions of Aquaman are my favorite parts. So I don't, I, I don't know you. that. Um, I don't know that James Wan is going to be around to do everything. Like usually, what happens with these type of things is like he's a busy man. He's got a lot of work. Oh, they're emailing so, him the episode. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fine." No, it's like I'm, I'm, um, but I'm not too worried about it because, again, the people in charge of these things are people that I trust. Um, I am worried that they're gonna be a little overworked, though, because coming next year, well, well, they already got their huge CW universe, right? Yeah, but 
arguably since the beginning of them incorporating superpowers and all this wild stuff into the world of their very small show at called the very Ar- least multiverse right at the very right? least multiverse uh yeah they've been uh building towards or hinting at the crisis on infinite earths yes and we just got confirmation at the end of the elseworlds crossover that yes next year's crossover and um interestingly advertised for the fall of 2019 rather than the usually advertised winter of yeah. 2019 uh we're getting the crisis on infinite earth's live action adaptation i am so stoked for this i am so freaking excited like this is such a large large story this is such an important story very definitive very like this this changes things there's this is a before crisis and there's an after crisis. That's the reason why the story exists. There's even today, like even today, when people refer to the history of DC Comics, it's pre-crisis and it's post-crisis. You know, this is this is one of the biggest stories in not only DC Comics but comics in general, as this was the first ever line-wide crossover. Uh, a crossover story that completely affected every yeah, single with serious consequences with very serious consequences with a reboot on the other side now the idea that the cw is doing this isn't isn't as like if you don't watch the cw shows and you hear that they're doing a crisis on infinite earth story you're like can they really do this like it's just a tv you know it's just a tv channel it might be just a network show what if it's like not well they've been like we talked about earlier with the flash they have slowly introduced all these different concepts and have gotten their casual fans familiar with it to where we're at the point where we can do Crisis on Infinite Earths in all of its wildness and the regular television fan will absolutely grasp it. So I'm, I'm, I, I think that they understand how important this story is, how big the story is. They have to know. Right, I hope they. I hope they, they know. have to know because the people in charge are pretty. Like I trust these guys. Again, like I said, like I've been saying, I trust these guys. They know the importance of this story. They know how big this is for them to announce it one year in advance. Now you're building a year's worth of buzz on a story that is already huge. Right, you have put all this pressure on yourself, and it's time to deliver. Yeah, and they haven't really done this before. Like they've never set a goal to hit. Like oh, they've just, you just kind of play around with the characters and the storyline. Yeah, get where we get if we get there. But they've said they now we we know what's coming. Like every CW show, uh, ideally, is now building towards this. Yeah. So like we, this is going to be insane. Like I'm, I know I should keep my expectations uh, tempered, but I can't. You know, I'm so excited. We got to to see the monitor this year, but I think it's important if we're talking about, you know, theories and predictions, I think it's important you people, you uh, you give these fine people your Oliver Queen prediction. Okay, so if you don't know, right, the story of Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, came about because DC had 60 years of history that got a little out of control. We had infinite number of universes stories about every different universe it was hard to keep up so editorial decided that it was time to wipe the slate clean for the first time ever this never been done they decided they needed to do a reboot right so at the end of this uh at the end of this story on the other side of the on the other side of things everything was completely different this was maybe one of the rare times where a story will have a tagline like universe will never be the same again and it has actually never been the same again right so 
in the end of that story, right, we got two very long-lasting consequences with besides the uh, end of the multiverse where Barry Allen was killed. He was killed saving what was left of the multiverse. And so was Kara, Supergirl, and Flash, two of the most important characters on the CW right now. So when you do a story like... We got a slight hint to that, right, with that fake-out death that they did in um, that crossover episode. Absolutely. They did uh, They did reference it. I thought it was funny because uh, they had Superman read the giant book, and he's like, I read the book, you guys die. And I'm like, I read the book too, they do die. So, <laughs> Spoiler alert, uh, and his book is awesome, by the way. You guys die at the end of this. You guys die at the end of this book. But, um, so, uh, but the, as George mentioned, they had the fake out death. They would have actually died during this Elseworlds crossover, but, um, Oliver Queen made an unseen compromise with the Monitor. We don't get to see exactly what he traded for their lives. But he appears again. He's got this wild ass cosmic arrow. That just ends all everything. <laughs> Crossover over. Boom. This monitor hooked me up. But um. So he traded something. For the lives of Kara and Barry. They won't be dying in this crossover. The way they normally would. They won't be dying in crisis the way they should have. I think that he traded his own life. And I think this. Because not only was Arrow supposed to be over two seasons ago, <laughs> I kind of I figured out with that whole, this whole Richard Diaz uh, string along that they're doing right now. It's like okay, like it's honestly okay. The last few seasons have been great, but it's honestly felt like they have been pulling along for some reason. Like, well, but why? You know, this guy has beaten the head of the League of Assassins and Not everything. the Mirakuru assassin from death and <laughs> you know and Damien Dark who had literal magic at his fingertips and now the he has a street level criminal he can't he can't handle the Arrow show has almost hit every major plot point that the Green Arrow has you know and they Batman <laughs> Batman and some of Batman but they've done almost everything there's nothing left to do Except for leaving behind a legacy, as the green, as uh, Stephen Mill once uh, he said in an interview recently, like that's the only thing that's left for the Green Arrow to pass on and to leave behind a legacy. Now they've started to introduce these legacy characters on the show. Yeah, with, we got uh, the, with we uh, Amico. Amico, we've got uh, pseudo Connor Hawk, right? William, right? We have he has a legacy he can leave behind now. I think this is it, and I think that's the reason that the crisis in the fall, because we're gonna we're we're not we're not have there's not gonna be an arrow next year. This oh, is it. Okay. Yeah, that, that that the whole thing does bug me out, but it makes me also think like, do you think that they can end up coming out with a a tried and true um, number for these seasons? Like they're all gonna top out at seven, and then. No, no, absolutely not. They're going to end whenever the creative process, uh, whenever it feels like it's time to end, you know? Um, but when it comes to Arrow, it was time to end two seasons ago, <laughs> you know? But um, we're here. Like, this is it. Stephanie Mel probably has other things he wants to do. You know, he's been attached to the Green Arrow for a long time, and, and he's very passionate about this character. And he knows that they've done everything that they can do with it. Arrow has been, you know, it's had its ups and downs, but overall, I loved it. It was great. Like, it did everything. It, it was a green hour. It was, uh, it was so good that at one point, the comics started to adapt, the, like, started to become more like the TV version of Arrow. Yeah, they <laughs> the diggle and everything. It's, but um, other than give him the weird goatee and long haircut, they've pretty much done everything there is to do except for Arrow to leave behind a legacy. So I think that 
at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths, Oliver Queen is done, and so is the show. Do, do you think they continue still with the Flash, Supergirl? Uh... Oh, absolutely, but I'm thinking that, again, one of the large theories is that seeing as how Crisis on Infinite Earths ended with the multiverse destroyed and the final five Earths that were saved merged into one with a combined history, I have a feeling that post-Crisis on Infinite Earths, all of CW shows are going to take place on the same Earth. Oh, so you might move over uh, Supergirl and Black Lightning? Absolutely. Yep. Hell, yep. If they, hell, if they want to get crazy, put it get the, the Titans as one of those Earths. <laughs> you know, get uh, Swamp Thing as one of those Earths. Exactly. You know, um, if they wanted to. I, I, I wish that. I, I hope that they do because they all got the same creative leaders. Greg Berlanti, Jeff Johns, they run all these shows. It would be great if uh, if you had titans and swamp thing at least have like red skies crossovers like okay the red skies crossovers is a term that was made up during crisis on infinite earths that people kind of still use today where a story will say it's a crisis tie-in but the only actual tie-in to crisis is that the sky is red because (laughs) yeah the earth is observing the same big crisis that's going across the multiverse yeah right Right. So I would one of um one of uh, one of the famous Swamp Thing stories actually takes place during Crisis and has red skies. So like I'm like, all the pieces are there. They just cast the Blue Devil for oh, Swamp Thing. Yeah, I heard about that. Blue Devil is one of the characters. One of the, one of the, one of the one of the character points that we use in uh Crisis on Infinite Earths. We follow him for a little while. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm just saying. Maybe I find <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> all I'm missing is Mariah. We already got. Psycho Pirate and everything. And Psycho but- Pirate, that was a big thing. And I'm not going to lie. As someone who's read the story, and I guess you only really get it if you have, when he started those lines, I'm like, I know this. <laughs> you know, he started the okay, world would live, world would die. I was like, I know this. I was this. like, yo, this is crisis, right? But then they slapped you in the face with the logo coming fall 2019. I'm like, yo, this is happening. This is really happening. Right. Uh, there's some people were mentioning how, uh, how, um, in the Flash TV show, they mentioned that the crisis doesn't happen until 2024. But right. they, if you've been paying attention, that things have also been happening earlier than they're supposed to. Yep, and and the timeline is all malleable. You see what the effects have yeah. been with, uh, you know, uh, Nora and a bunch of other people. Like any any, uh, you know, domino effect can bring about this crisis yeah. earlier than it's supposed to. The Reverse Flash being stuck on Earth in the first on um in the past. On the first season of Arrow, he even mentions that he made Barry into the Flash earlier than it was supposed to happen. Right. So it would stand to reason that he dragged all of history back maybe uh, four or five years. As right? you do. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Because he, um, and he might be talking to Nora to, like, at least affect the timeline. Maybe not change it straight out, but... I could see Nora trying to bargain on like a whole like, hey, let's not have him disappear. And he's all like, oh, yeah, he won't disappear then. He'll disappear 10 years before you're born. You know, some some kind of madness. Now, like that. on top of all of this, I just think this is a great time to do it. Like the, the CW's Earth, uh, the CW's DC universe is so populated right now that if we can somehow gather, gather every hero that's ever been on these shows for at least Justice Crossover. Can you imagine that visual? Oh my you god! Know? It's a visual. It's a visual we've, we've wanted for the these Avenger films. For 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 these, we haven't even got this in theaters. Like something yeah. this big happening on TV before film, but happening in a way that doesn't feel forced or like doesn't feel shoved in your face. Like this is this is crazy. I haven't I haven't felt 
this type of excitement for an upcoming superhero thing since uh, since knowing that they were going to do an Avengers film after the original five or six Marvel solo films. Yeah, you know, um, it, even these mini crossovers feel so well thought out and full of Easter eggs that you got to think that if they have a full year to build up to something, if they're literally taking their time and doing their homework for that, uh, that they're going to knock it out of the park. I have no doubt. And I'm, I'm really excited for these guys. I'm really excited to see what I feel like in many ways, Endgame and Crisis uh, for both of those respective companies are going to be the uh, hallmark for a brand new era of that show and or those shows and those movies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there any comic in particular you're looking forward to next year? Okay. Well, I honestly want to see, I want to see, I'm so ready to finish up Doomsday Clock. Okay. Like, okay. So, you know, as we were mentioning earlier, originally the idea was that Doomsday Clock would be the final fix it for the DC universe. By the end of the story, everything would be the way Jeff Johns intended. Unfortunately, he's no longer in charge. I'm worried that, the Doomsday Clock and its effects have been shunted off to the side. Uh, yeah, because it was supposed to be working concurrently as a, a year ahead. So ahead. everything else yep. is going to work towards that eventual starting point that where the story starts off. I'm worried that we're not doing that anymore, but at the same time, part of me is like, you know what? Screw it. This has been great. This story is great. When I read it back all at once, it's going to be great. They have done such a good job with this. And as every issue has gone on, it has gotten bigger and better. And it's like, I can, I, I'm ready to finally see this fight. You know, I'm ready to see Superman and Dr. Manhattan throw down, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether ideologically or physically. Yeah. I'm also excited to read um, Three Jokers. Jeff John's Three Jokers, another exactly. story that he introduced. Back and hopefully, in and hopefully his story isn't hindered by any of that black label backlash from Damned. You know, man, can we take a second to talk about that? Sure. I can't believe what happened with that. Okay. <laughs> I cannot believe that they backed off in such a way. Like, they they knew what it was going to be. The fans knew what it was going to be. We yeah, knew what it was. Off the rip, they told us this was going to be more mature. There would be, there would have, might have some nudity, some profa- profanity. This was not going to be a line for children. The first thing that happens in the very first Black Label book, you see a penis. The entire world is 12 years old now. Well, it, it might have actually been for that reason, right? Like, to let you know that this isn't what you thought that, it was yeah, going to exactly. be. Or... It was like, artistic freedom okay bruce in that scene it wasn't like they drew a penis for no reason he was naked because it was a vulnerable scene when bruce doesn't have his costume on he feels vulnerable and when do we feel vulnerable when we're naked we don't have anything covering us it was meant as a storytelling thing and the entire world is a bunch of all of a sudden it's not a bunch of immature kids it's like every headline is like bat wang bat penis oh yeah, did you see bat, bat <laughs> Oh, Bat Bulge. We finally saw Batman's penis. The freaking book was pulled off the shelves, basically. It will no longer be reprinted in that way. We're going to have censored stories from now on. Yeah, exactly. When the entire point of this was to... I can't believe that that happened. And while I'm sure that Jeff John's story wasn't going to have any grotesque, like crazy nudity or anything like that, I am very worried that it was affected by that. I, I hope not, though. I hope I really hope not. I hope that he's still got enough pull that he can be like, you know what, eat, eat a dick. I'm doing what I want. You know, uh, it's only going to be three prestige size issues, which is like, I don't know if you bought Batman Damned, they were 
larger. The books were actually larger, and they had more than more pages than the normal comic than a normal comic would. Like normal comics usually have from uh, twenty eight to thirty two pages. These will have forty. For three issues, I think I don't know if it's going to be each one focusing on a different Joker or anything, but um, I'm so excited for three Jokers. I think we had at New York Comic Con we got to see some details. We got to see that we got to find out who these three Jokers were because one of the biggest mysteries of DC Rebirth was like Batman finding out that there was three separate Jokers. Now we're like, who are they? So the three Jokers are the first Joker is the very original Joker. The first Joker Batman ever dealt with. The original Golden Age Joker with the receding hairline. Right, and then you got those shaved sides. Yes, sir. The second Joker is the Joker that killed Jason Todd with the crowbar. Mm. And then we've got the third Joker, the one that, uh, the Killing Joke Joker. Right? I thought that was a strange... I thought these were interesting choices. Because there have been so many different characterizations of the Joker in the past. I thought that having the Killing Joke and the Jason Joker be two separate jokers when they're so very similar i think that that was interesting and i want to see why they did that i also want to see what is the connection between these jokers why do they why are they three what happened here like what i'm so intrigued by this it's such a better explanation for this for the different characterization because okay the joker as we all know has been a bunch of different he's been you know comedy he's been sadistic he's been all for the last but um grant morrison once explain this away by uh introducing super consciousness which is is like crazy grant morrison-esque thing is that like hyper time (laughs) you know stuff like that but um i like this idea better that they are actually three different people because sometimes it does feel like these are a completely different person so I'm, i'm i'm excited to see what they do with this and the lasting effects of it yeah yeah definitely because it like we've seen before, you can have the perfect uh, comic book property IP and and ruin it, and you can have the uh, uh, pro- property like Guardians of the Galaxy and completely redefine it to a brand new uh, bunch of people who can get it. I really do. I'm really I'm interested in the ending of uh, Doomsday Clock because I do want to see how that ends. I hope we get a bunch new uh, new creative talents and stuff. I want to kind of like my Superman again. Oh, so I don't know. How, I don't know. I don't know what they want to do with that, but. I have not been enjoying Superman as I used to. Maybe a side book or something with John. I, I maybe I, I can uh, sink my teeth into. I'm also very interested because although we may not be getting it particularly in 2019, I'm very interested in what conversations they'll be having as far as Batman and Superman movies going forward. Oh, I am so. Uh, <laughs> there's been so much. Will they? Won't they? With that that I am over, like, being worried about it. Because I'm like, man, I loved Henry Cavill's Superman. I loved Ben Affleck's Batman. I would love if they continued on with it, but I would also understand if they were frustrated by what's happened in the past. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know that I'm ready for them to be recast, but if you have been paying attention to the CW shows, they have their own pretty damn good version of Superman there. And if you decide that you never want to do a super, if you, if you decide that you don't want to do a Superman movie in the near future, I would 100% be down for a Superman TV show. They have already kind of given it a premise at the end of the Elseworlds crossover. It was revealed that Lois Lane is pregnant. This is true. She's going to, uh, Argonne. She's going to go live in Argo. Argo. Uh, while she's pregnant, 
and they're going to raise the baby maybe for a little bit. But um, Superman handed the reins over to his cousin. She's strong enough to deal with Earth while he's gone. You have just set the stage to adapt the beloved Peter Tomasi Superman Rebirth story. You got, we got John Kent. You know, we got a baby John Kent. So if they decide that they never want to do a Superman movie again, uh, I would only be okay with it if they give Tyler Hoochlin his own Superman TV show. Mm-hmm. No, I dig it. And they seem to be getting that ready. And you know, they're supposed to be giving us a Batwoman TV show. They absolutely are. Uh, they definitely teased that we're going to be seeing some Batwoman, Supergirl crossovers, World's Finest. So we've at least get to play with that dynamic on TV if we never get to see it on film. Um, and we, you know, even though they were very delicate with it, Titans brought us our first live action Batman since what? Uh, Adam West? Yes, yes. Titans brought the first TV live action Batman since I think Adam West. You're absolutely right. Um, so and they did we're pretty moving. well, too. Yeah, we're move, we're moving. These characters are coming uh, along, and who would have known? I would have been so excited about the Titans book. Um, I mean, sorry, the Titans show, and 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 in general. And now it's one of the most talked about DC shows out. I guess the last thing that we'll talk about is something that doesn't have a definitive date, and that is HBO's Watchmen. Oh, I am not as excited for that <laughs> as everyone. I mean, I, between between I, HBO's Watchmen and Doomsday Clock, and before Watchmen. Has there been ever a comic to have so much come out of so little? Oh, man. Uh, poor Alan Moore. You know? <laughs> like, I just wrote this story and it's supposed to be what it was and that's it. He has legitimate hatred now for the story that uh, he once put so much love into. Yeah. And I feel bad for him. But he also prays to a snake. So I, you know. Yep. Yeah, he's he also a his, he real weirdo. Shit. And he did talk down on a comic book fan so he can... Wow. Yeah, he did. Uh, he said that uh, he misses the days when comics were for children and that the adultery comic books now are a giant. What? He wasn't ever writing for fucking children. Because his idea, okay, when he was writing, it was like, he never expected, like, the world of comic books to change because he was doing these character breakdowns, you know? he in, when, and when he was doing these stories, it was unique. It had never been done before. There was never a, uh, there was never, like, if you've read Miracle Man, which was basically his character study breakdown of Shazam of uh, Captain Marvel, yeah, right. So there was never anything like that. Like the psych, we can we can see the psychological effect of being a superhero and how that affects someone as wholesome as Captain Marvel and and, and things like that. And uh, Doomsday Clock even deals with that thematically, how a uh, darkness was injected into the world of comics because of Watchmen and because of stories like that. <laughs> And Alan Moore feels that way. And a lot of people do feel that way. They um they feel as though those stories injected a bit of of grit and darkness into comic books. And comic books did suffer a bit for, from it for a little while. Like, if the, everything was so crazy dark and grim in the 90s. And they even, they've done, like, Kingdom Come was another story about how things are too dark and they need to get back to optimism. Infinite Crisis was another story about things that's too dark and they need to get back to optimism. But it seems like there's a there's a recurring theme here where they keep on getting back to the darkness. Like, they can't overcome this quote-unquote infection. Yeah. But it's, it, it's they're only going to get out of it through their own stuff. Through their, through their own... Yeah, yeah exactly. But, um... Put up your bootstraps. 
Yeah, we're we're only uh, witnesses to what they give us. We can we don't have any real power to change it. So Alan Moore just feels like he feels remorse for being the cause of this. So you got no hopes on this? Uh, I I I will check it out. It's Watchmen. I'm actually one of the you know I love this I love the story Watchmen, but I also love the film. You know, I was one of the bigger, bigger fans of uh, Watchmen film. So I'm like, they've done all they can with the with the live action Watchmen, and let's see what HBO does. I'm not, I don't got too many, I don't have too high hopes, but maybe keeping my hopes low will give me more uh, ability to enjoy this. Yeah, HBO. I mean, they put out some stellar dramas over the last couple of years, and hopefully, what they see in this. Um, they really want to use, and, and hopefully they're using parts that we haven't seen, but in the same way, it doesn't disrespect what we have, because that's a lot of the problem, right? You do, like, a lot of people didn't dig before Watchmen. You know, they expected a certain thing, got something else, and they didn't really dig it. And this one is already purporting to not have anybody we know in it, right? Like, as far as Rorschach, yes. uh, uh, you know, Night Owl, uh, Silk Spectre, Dr. Manhattan. So we'll be seeing things from a different perspective entirely. And hopefully that's enough to get people in. Some people are like, if we're not going to watch, if we're not going to follow those people, why even call it Watchmen? Which I, I get. That, I understand well. that entirely. But if it's taking place in the Watchmen universe, I guess the easiest way to do it is just, just to call it Watchmen. They could have just done a they could have just done a Minuteman show. Yeah, right. In the 1940s, then you give people characters they know. You, you have room there, you know? to do things that were not placed into the Watchmen story without affecting the rest of uh, without affecting what already exists. That was definitely but, one of my favorites. Uh, Hooded Justice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess we 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 they are already they already knee deep in production, so it's coming. I don't know when, but it's absolutely coming. And all of this is coming. All of this is coming our way come 2019. We are literally on the precipice. We're on the edge of the future. But it's been a hell of a time talking about all the things coming and going as far as comic book to comic book media is coming concerning 2019. But uh, the great part about this, if you're listening, is that you can listen to all the crazy stuff that happened in 2018. Reviews about all the Netflix original shows. Reviews about comics that came out in 2018. Movies like Black Panther and Infinity War, Aquaman, and T-Titans go to the movies. And next week, Into the Spider-Verse. And all of that's available at the Major Issues Podcast, which you can find wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean. Uh, Stitcher Podcast Attic. You can find it on Google Play. You can find it on the Apple Podcast app that's available on all Apple devices pre-installed. Don't ask me how they do it because I don't know. But it's there. If you can't find it on any of that, you can literally Google the Major Issues Podcast and we're the first ones to pop right up. And it's the quickest way for you to get in touch with us. And if you like some of these episodes, go ahead and read and review. It's the quickest way for us to learn learn how to grow as podcasters, see what we like, what we don't, what you guys like, what you guys don't, the do's and don'ts of this whole industry, and so we can get our message across to you guys the clearest way possible. And if you like all this stuff that we're doing as a part of Major Issues, we do it on behalf of Comic Book Click, which you can find at facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media, not to mention at Major Issues CBC, which is the official Twitter handle for the Major Issues podcast. Go up there, let's chat a bit about all these things coming to 2019, and I'm not going to lie, this conversation has made me quite optimistic for the future. Oh man, I've had so much fun predicting what's going to come in 2019 and I can't wait 
to be back. I'm I'm back. I'm you here. I'm back. here, guys. It's a ha- oh my god, and hopefully this is the beginning of something even more beautiful to come into 2019 and major issues. I'm excited. But my name is George Serrano, aka the Don. It's Jonathan Escudero, aka Yogi. And this has been our predicting of the future of 2019. And I've had a hell of a time on this episode. Please uh, welcome yourself back, Yogi. You always have a seat at the couch. And now with this fancy, smancy, futuristic device, we can communicate about all things to come to comic books and comic book media. Thank you for having me back. I can't wait to come record again. Uh, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, but yes, we're predicting all things in 2019. So I need you guys to listen to this because this is the last podcast of 2018. You need to know. You need to know that whether or not you are some sort of weird uh, post-apocalyptic robot who gets found in a junk heap, whether you're half Kree and you get pulled over to the scroll army, whether you're just a boy who just finds the powers of a wizard and is able to shout out the name Shazam and become, what, eight feet six? Whether you are, <laughs> where you are the harbinger of death, whether you work for hell, whether you are a phoenix of dark variety, whether you found yourself far from home or you're only here in the endgame, remember that we are the clique and you, yes, you are worthy.